This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking it. What are we talking about? It. What's it? It. It's it? It. Uh, okay. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, good evening. Out, it is the evening. It's the spookiest time of day. 8 p.m. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you had to do the spooky voice, but yeah, 8 p.m. is scary. I, I had special closed captions for our movie, so every time the certain character spoke, it was using that voice. It was really weird watching it. Anyway, like... <laughs> Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to other movie topics. This is episode 298. 298. 298, buddy. Two away from 300. We are getting close to 300, by the way. Spookily close yeah, to sp- 300. Spookily close, yes. Yeah. Very we're keeping exciting. the theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, episode 300, it's coming. Coming in. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, but yeah, the main feature for the week, if you can't tell by all the spookiness already that's invading this podcast, is it. The latest. What's it? It. It what? It. It's the movie It. Oh, It. Stephen okay. King's It. The there latest, you go. The cinematic adaptation. Okay. Joining us today to discuss It and pronouns in general, we have from Slash Film and Go Fl- the Go Flicks Yourself podcast, he's always got his fanny pack on him. It's Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And from Pure Imagination Studios, he'll straighten out all your paintings, just don't ask him to look at them. It's Matt Goodman. Hey, guys. How's it going? That's a really nice service to do, by the way. I mean, that's just like super oh, yeah. polite. Yeah, you know, gotta pay the bills. It's complicated, I'd imagine, not looking at the paintings, but straightening them out. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's an acquired skill. <laughs> good to have That's both good you have guys, guys here. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, Brad, we, Brad, we briefly got to see each other at Comic-Con. That's true. It was it was quite brief. There was a lot going on. There was, there was a lot going on. But always good to see you, and glad to have you back on the podcast. Hey, thanks. I, I literally just watched uh, Rogue One two days ago with uh, with Anna. And that was a podcast we we all did a did a show on. We did. Yeah. And you know what? I keep liking it more and more every time I watch it. Ben Mendelsohn is great in that movie. I'm just I saying. don't disagree. I don't disagree with the Ben Mendelsohn part. I'm not sure if I like it more and more. I definitely don't dislike it more. But I think I'm still right on the page that I was when I first saw it. Fair enough. I, d- I just get over some of the kind of shakiness, I guess, every time I watch it. Because it's like, this is a Star Wars movie. I'm really having fun with this. Regardless. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was just thinking about that. And apparently you love capes. Mini capes. Or half capes. Capes look cool. That's mm-hmm. That's true. Edna would, would uh, disagree, but... Well, if you're you know, a flying they... superhero, that's different. But if you have a cape and you're just, like, <laughs> strutting around with it, it seems like it works out. Touche. Especially space capes. I mean, that's a whole different scenario there. Regardless. But yeah, Brad, good to have you back on. Matt, it's been numerous Four years? years. It's Five been years? Numerous years since It's been years podcast. and years. I was I was here for one of the OGs, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you're, like, one of our, like, our first listeners and, like, first commenters. And we're... And, here you are again, just like a a cool dude in Hollywood now. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to be able to work in movies and talk about movies and just love I love entertainment. But yeah, good to have you back. You've been you were on when we had other segments. We have no idea what what they even are anymore. I mean, yep. we had cast sounds about right. Game and yeah. the, the William Fickner game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. we're here now. We're going to talk about it. So let's let's do this thing. Let's get to let's some uh, some show notes stuff first. Uh, first up, let's see. We've had a number of bonus episodes over the past few weeks because, frankly, just nothing's been coming out. <laughs> so we haven't had too many main reviews. We have had some really good, like, we had a flashback episode on the birds. 
We had a really good discussion about millennials versus classic film. We had the the end of our, our summer wager. All these things were really fun, really cool, cool to listen to. Check those out on iTunes or on Audioboom, of course. What else? iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those, of course. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Thursday. If you can find it pretty easily, you can give us a star rating or even a little uh, written review of some kind. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you very much in advance. All right. Okay, guys. Let's move on now. Let's get to know everybody. For each week, we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know no, everybody. everybody. That's good. Wasn't bad. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start it off. Guys, do you find clowns scary? Ah, uh, hell. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the the obvious answer is yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm not scared by them, but they definitely don't make me feel comfortable. It's just the whole the whole aesthetic to me, and then the friendliness of them is so jarring and scary. And mixed with that, the fact that I grew up on the Joker and associating <laughs> clowns with something evil, it's very frightening to see clowns making a huge comeback right now. Yeah, I I can see why uh which it, you know, people would dress up as them in, for for jobs, but uh at the same time, it's not great when they're associated with serial killers and whatever the case is too. That's that's never good. So, you know, thanks a lot for ruining it for the regular clowns, serial killers who listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> They've got nothing else to do. I don't think I'm a, I'm not necessarily afraid of clowns. It's more of like I just I don't seem to like them. Like, it's more like, like anger. It's like, ah, one of these. Like, that, that kind of reaction. So you'd, ra- you'd rather see a mime than a clown? Mimes, I don't mind. Mime seems like there's, yeah. like, a real art there. See, it's because they're not associated with serial sur- sur- killers. So that makes perfect sense. Well, yet. I mean, let's not get yeah. ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> I think it's the baggy clothes. I think that's what does it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think mime, mimes, mimes look a lot skinnier and thinner, and they just look less... Imposing? They look more approachable. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're French. They smoke a lot, so you know that they can't really run after you. So, you know that kind of helps. <laughs> Bringing logic into this one, the old smoker's <laughs> lung. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're French, so they're kind of blasé about things. But thanks a lot, stereotypes. <laughs> okay. I've got a question for you guys. Good, let's move. <laughs> yeah, if you guys are writing a horror novel and you guys are basing a movie where children protagonists are going up against an unknown phenomenon, what's the name of your city? What's the name of the city? Yeah. <laughs> There's so much detail in that question. What's the name of the city? Okay. Um, hmm. Oh, man, that's a... Let's see. That's a tough one. Well, let's see. It's children antagonists, which doesn't really make much of a difference. Um, this is the part where I stare around the room at objects that I could use as a city. So I'm like, Water Bottlesburg! Um... <laughs> Farnsworth! <Yes>. Far... <laughs> I've got one. Yeah, what, what do you got, Abe? Lone Pine. Lone Pine, California. Lone Pine, California. Yeah. That's a spooky-ass name. Yeah, it's a great callback to Back to the Future. Springfield's son. Springfield's son. <laughs> Springfield's son. Yeah. So you would think it'd be fun and friendly there, but now there's murders happening. Uh, it's Pe- it's a Pennsylvania Dutch town. Springfield's son. Oh, that's a lot of logic in there. Post-Standis. I like that. I think we got it, guys. Got a... There you go. <laughs> we got a county. <laughs> all right <laughs> now that we've, we've solved that one for one thing i hope Abe finishes his novel much quicker and uh yeah so there's that also that's how you play no, no everybody. everybody all right let's move on let's do out now quickies jim 
Each one out now. Yeah, that that was a little bit blurred, but I'll accept it. My tongue moved around a lot. I but I had okay. it, I had it as I, I got you. Yeah. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. I finally watched uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard, and it's Whoa. all right. Yeah, you caught up it, with that it, one. It's yeah, exactly. I caught up with it. It's all right. I mean, there's there's some big names there, and I can see why they it was released in large the or uh, in the big screen, but um, you know. I, I enjoy Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson on the screen and kind of just like go back and forth with each other, but I it's just all right. Yeah, this was this was my movie too that I was gonna say. Oh I really? It's, yeah, I just think yeah. it's. It, I thought it was very lazy. Ultimately, just unforgettable, and it just I don't know. It it was just basically Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson playing exaggerated versions of themselves, and Kinda. it was yeah. just the story just felt as generic as you can get with these yeah. movies. That's what ultimately just tanked it for me. Brad, did you yeah. finally race out the theaters to see Hitman's Bodyguard also? <laughs> uh, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and it was... It felt like they, they they assumed that anything Ryan Reynolds said sarcastically and anything Samuel Jackson yelled was going to be instantly hilarious, And but they forgot to hire somebody to actually write jokes for them. Zing! <laughs> I also uh, agreed with, uh, with my first sentiment when Aaron first told me that Gary Oldman's in it. I was like, Gary Oldman's in it? But why? And I still thought the same thing after I saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays the brother of his character in Air Force One. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> real mad and real Russian. Yes. So, yeah, Hitman's Bodyguard. No, no longer number one at the box office. <laughs> it finally got dethroned after its three-week rules. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Brad... What what else have you seen recently? Well, um, I watched a, a documentary called Dying Laughing. Oh, which uh, is this? That sounds familiar. It's a documentary that it's basically just a series of interviews with a bunch of stand-up comedians about the art of stand-up and the idea of being on stage and like crafting premises and the experience and just uh, it's very comedy nerd centric stuff. Like it's the kind of things that. Most people don't think about when they go to a stand-up show, but it's it's fascinating to hear how comedians view their time on stage and what they do to like get the audience to laugh because you don't realize how weird it is and how very calculated and terrifying and just and all these different things it is when you know it's one person on stage trying to get a whole group of people to laugh at the same time. Is that on uh, Netflix or uh, Amazon? Uh, or? I rented it from iTunes a while back. It was the 99 cent rental that I saw featured, and so I rented it. And I just recently got around to watching it. So, but it's I, I think that it might still be 99 cents if you go look it up on on the old iTunes. Very cool. Any uh, any notable names in the uh, in the interviews? Oh, tons. It's it's full of a who's who of standard comedians. So oh, Jerry okay. Jerry Seinfeld, Sarah Silverman, um, Gary Shandling, uh, like anybody and everybody you can think of is is interviewed in it. Very cool. No, that's. I feel like I've seen like that poster. I'm like, that sounds like a fun line. I never got around to seeing it. But yeah, I, I'm, I am interested in that, and I will try to find it if I can. But yeah, yes. very cool. Uh, Matt, you said you saw Hitman's Bodyguard. Anything else you might have seen uh, recently? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I watched uh, 99 Homes, which was oh, actually okay. really unsettling. It really got under my skin more than most films do. I thought Andrew Garfield was really good, and the fact that he was able to go up against Michael Shannon and not be defeated by Michael Shannon's awesomeness is very notable and something I really liked about it, and I was I was very impressed by it. 
There's some really good performance in that movie. That was a, that was yeah. a yes. from a couple years back. That's one that Anna and I literally raced to the theater to see. Actually, <laughs> we were like running late. We had to like run to get there in time. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys were driving in different cars and and literally racing in the streets. No, oh, that too. We were mid heist oh. and we stopped oh, to see okay. the movie. That was that was mid mid heist. Yeah, we yeah. That's where you duck out for a while. <laughs> Just admitting your burglaries <laughs> online. <laughs> um, I've. Well, I haven't caught up with much new, just because there hasn't been much new that I haven't already seen. Uh, I mentioned Wolf Warrior 2 last week, which is still awesome. I, yeah, I, I'll I, still go, I'll, I'm still trying to check it out. Yeah. Um, but I did. Uh, I decided to kind of watch a couple Stephen King films, uh, or you know, movies based on Stephen. Not Stephen King films. That's just one. It's Maximum Overdrive, and it's terrible. Uh, but movies based mm-hmm. off Stephen. That's King. what he directed. That's the one he directed. Yeah. Well, very high on coke. Um, yeah. <laughs> he freely admitted that. Yes, but I, I watched some uh, some previous films from his works. Uh, I watched The Mist, which I still think is fantastic. I, I think mm-hmm. there's a there's a great style to that movie where it has the feel, especially and I watched the uh, the black and white version, but, but I think it has this great kind of like blend of being this kind of fifties pulp story mixed with this really interesting societal commentary it's it has it's like a monster movie ver- like a more overtly monster movie version of night out of the living dead as far as people trapped in one location and these these just crazy things on the outside and how paranoia and whatnot get affects the people on the inside it's just really good if you haven't seen the mist already mm. uh, not good is dreamcatcher which continues to be terrible um dreamcatcher is a horrible <laughs> but movie. that movie poster is great it's a <laughs> yeah and so are a lot of the people in the movie this is yeah. maybe the one movie i could single out where morgan freeman is legit bad in it like, there are bad movies with Morgan Freeman, but he's, like, actually terrible in this movie. And that's impressive. Like, it's impressive for Morgan Freeman to be bad in a movie. And Dreamcatcher, oh, boy. It is. Okay. <laughs> Among the other, I mean, what do you have? You have, um, Tom, Tom, it was a Tom J. Marathon pick. It's Tom Jane's in that one also. He's in The Mist and Dreamcatcher. Tim Oliphant, Jason Lee, Damian Donnie Lewis, Wahlberg? Donnie Wahlberg, yes. <laughs> It is. It is a Tom Sizemore when he still acted and people didn't hate him. There's a you know there's a lot of people in that movie and it's really really awful. From what's it, from well Lawrence Kasdan, writer of like Raiders and Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, yes, wait, he directed it. He directed it. He can he co-wrote it with William Goldman, one of the greatest screenwriters Aww. of all time. But oh, Dreamcatcher, that it is. It is awful. It is. You, awful you actually just went on like a Stephen King and Thomas Jane marathon. Apparently, yes. I yeah. uh, I was going to watch The Shinnin also, but I, I didn't get around to <laughs> two and a half hours. So well, we, I mean, we don't want to be sued. Yeah, yeah well, that also. But yes, I, I had no time to watch The sh- I'll still probably watch it because I do want to watch it. I, I've been meaning to watch The Shining for a, a bit. And it's like, oh, I yeah. want to catch up with The Shining. Hmm. I love The Shining. Okay. And I really need to be freaked out by twins again. I mean, twins. They're sisters. Whatever. They're really scary. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it because they're going to like start appearing in my mind in like the doorway next to me. And I was like, I don't want to think about that. But the lights are on. They're not. That's the worst part. The lights are not on. <laughs> doing an it podcast. It's completely dark. It's I don't crazy. want you to look outside your window right now because they're probably in your driveway. Don't. I just want to warn you. Okay. All right. That's not that quick. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's get away from this. Uh, let's, let's talk. Let's do some trailer talk. We're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it. When it's coming out. What have you. This week we're talking The Snowman. This is an upcoming mystery horror film uh, starring Michael Fassbender as a detective who's investigating a serial killer who seems to be killing people and leaving behind evil-looking snowmen. Um, I don't know if they're evil. They've got smiles. I'm going to say evil-looking. I'm going to say evil-looking okay. snowmen. <laughs> Something about decapitated pieces of you know heads and sure, sure. body parts and whatnot strewn about the snowmen tends to make me think evil. Yeah. Uh, something about that. I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, he wor he's working with Rebecca Ferguson's character, and it's what's this is is this based? Yeah, it's based off a novel. It's directed by Thomas Alfredson, who did uh, Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Seems like it has a lot of good elements in there. What say you, Brad? What do you think of the trailer for the Snowman? Uh, I like it. It's, it definitely has a sort of a Arctic Silence of the Lambs sort of vibe to it. I'm not sure that it'll be quite as compelling or on par with with that movie since that, that's quite the acclaimed crime thriller. Uh, but it does look very suspenseful and intriguing. I'm always down for a, a new Michael Fassbender performance. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I definitely will will be seeing it. That's for sure. How about you, Matt? What did you think of the trailer? Um, I thought it, thought the movie. I think it doesn't look too bad, but I don't think it looks too good either. And given the premise, I think it looks like it's trying to be the best it could be. It gives me some David Finchery vibes, which I like. Um, and if it's anywhere near cinematography of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, then I will be very happy. Um, but I kind of just felt like it was wall-to-wall exposition being spoon-fed to me in the trailer, and I'd rather. Something a little more plot-oriented, not too much, but just so I can get a better sense of what's going on in this movie and what the tone's going to be. But I can't not see a Michael Fassbender movie, so I'm going to end up seeing it. <laughs> I was super disappointed. I thought that the <laughs> Snowman movie was uh, a feel-good movie that was going to come out in the in the wintertime, just based off the title alone. And then I clicked on the trailer, and people are dying all over the place. I was like, what? <laughs> this is not the movie I thought it was going to be. Michael Fassbender in a family movie? That would have been fantastic. That actually does intrigue Fass- me. You saying that out loud does make me excited for something. Michael, Michael Fassbender in a family movie? Yeah, of course. You know, team up with uh, team up with uh, Michael Keaton, and uh, we got a great movie there. But, um, no, I mean, in terms of the trailer itself, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I, nothing, um, nothing crazy that sticks out that makes me want to jump up and say, Hey, I really have to see this, uh, like the night of its release. Uh, I'm sure that it'll be full of mystery and thriller and plot points that kind of lead you astray. And it's great to see Rebecca Ferguson in movies. But, uh, the part that really got to me was JK Simmons and his accent. I was like, what is this? <laughs> so I, well, I love JK Simmons, Academy Award winner, JK Simmons. Uh, but I love that uh, he's got to play, I guess, a Scandinavian guy because his IMDb it says he's his name is like Arve Stop. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. So I'm I'm curious to see how it's gonna how it's gonna work out. But I was very very disappointed that it wasn't a family movie. <laughs> okay, I um, I mean, as a trailer, I think the trailer is fine. And in terms of who's involved with it, I'm more interested. I, I am a huge fan of Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spies. So I'm like, yeah, all right, a new Tom and Al- Alfredson film that that gets me going. Um, I also just saw that this is adapted from the same author that wrote the movie uh, or wrote the book Headhunters, um, which was oh uh, okay, was yeah. a really solid thriller. Uh, I know Mark Hoban's ears just perked up, but yeah, no. It, it, I hope it's less standard than it kind of seems based off this trailer. I mean, yeah, I, Brad, you mentioned like Silence of the Lambs. Not, I mean, any kind of kind of serial killer thriller at this point will obviously kind of draw thoughts on that film, let alone Seven and others. But I do hope that it you know has some you know some new stuff to add beyond just like it's set in the snow this time. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I'm a huge Michael Fassbender fan. I've said that many times this podcast. So that you know that's plenty right there as well. So. At the very least, I assume it'll look great, and it'll probably have some solid performances. At the most, I hope it has a really intriguing story that feels more than just, you know, narrow down the list of suspects, and then there's the killer. 
We'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, the, yep. uh, the Snowman arrives in theaters October 20th. Perfect for Halloween. <laughs> Just in time. Yeah. <laughs> If it's if it's somewhere between Girl on the Train and Gone Girl, I'll be happy because Girl yeah, on the Train was terrible. Yeah, those, yeah. those are exactly that's kind of what I was thinking too. All right, all right. Well, let's let's get to it, guys. Let's get to our main review for it. When you're a kid, you think the universe revolves around you. You think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. That should have been some of the trailer for It. It is here, 27 years after the debut of the ABC TV miniseries featuring Tim Curry as the titular It. Stephen King's spooky 1986 novelist finally made the cinematic translation to the big screen. Well, half the novel. The 1,000-plus page book has essentially been split in half with this 135-minute film covering portions focused on the outcast preteens known as the Losers Club. They deal with the trials of being young in a town full of bullies and creepy adults, as well as the nightmare machine that mainly takes the form of Pennywise the Dancing Clown, played by a notably not Will Poulter, Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> as the Losers Club attempt to get through their summer alive, it makes it a point to bring all the kids' worst fears to life. Let's start with Brad. Did you find your? Did you find these fears effective? Uh, you mean that I find how Pennywise exploits the fears of the kids uh, effective? Well, or did you find this to be a scary movie and let alone oh. a good movie? Um, there was never a point when I was necessarily like terrified or trying to hide behind my hands or anything like that. It's it's definitely suspenseful. There are some very good jump scares. Um, you do, if anything, you, you just have a general feeling of foreboding and uneasiness because you don't uh unless you've read the book you don't fully understand the breadth of pennywise's abilities and what Uh he can do uh and once you see that he can kind of become anything and tap into the fears of the kids it it makes it a little bit scarier than it otherwise would if he was just you know a murderous clown uh, because you really can just be anything and exploit, you know, everything that you have you fear in your life. So yeah, it's I I definitely think that he's a a good monster in that regard. But the movie itself, really, it's it's not uh, you know digging deeper into the story itself and the thematic elements. It's it's not about Pennywise being a monster. It's more so about the adults that surround these kids being irresponsible and terrible and grotesque and just not you know being adults doing what they should be and like that's really what has made this town you know completely go to hell and that has allowed someone like pennywise to you know kill kids so as a movie what'd you think did you think it was a good movie yeah no i i i I really i really liked it i um the coming of age stuff and the camaraderie and chemistry between the kids in this movie is really what sells it i it's you you feel terrified for them because they become such a tight knit group, um, and you know, and they are just kids. Like they don't, you know, and they're the only ones that can really see what's going on, and it has that that has to suck to feel like a kid where 
no one believes you, no one listens to you, you know, you're scared, but you have to, you know, take it upon yourself to do something about it or, you know, you're going to lose your friends. It's it's an, it's a concept that we've seen plenty of times before with, but never on the level of where you see teenagers who are really coming into their own having to team up against a supernatural force like this. The closest we ever came, I think, to something of this level is Super 8. Uh, and even though the kids in that movie are great, I never quite felt as bonded to them or connected to them uh, as I did the kids in it. So, yeah, it's just I, I love the blending of the coming of age and the horror side of things. I wasn't anticipating that I would like it that much, but it's just it's it's a very good adaptation. Yeah, of the of Stephen King's material. All right, Matt, we have a large table of guests and out and out there in an Abe. And honestly, it's good to have you here just because you're basically the closest in age to the losers club <laughs> it's That's true having, having a having a, a you know basically a younger uh participant on this panel i think is helpful because i'm very matt, curious matt is uh he's 12 <laughs> no he's not 12. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 he is somewhat younger than we are yeah. and i think that puts him closer to remembering you know being this this kind of you know, individual, not necessarily stocked in the same way that the kids are in this yeah, movie. Yeah. But I'm curious, <laughs> what, how, how did you handle this movie? How would you think? Oh, I mean, I, I thought it was terrific, honestly. And what really stuck out to me about the kids is, first of all, the R rating, let them swear. They really talked like how kids talk. And then second off, I loved how they had everyone against them. Other than these six kids, everyone else is a villain. So you have three bad guys, and in their own right, each of them are equally as terrifying. First of all, we got Pennywise, and in my opinion, Skarsgård's Pennywise is instantly iconic. I just feel like everything he did, little contortions, voices, and that really unsettling laugh. I mean, he couldn't even speak English correctly. Felt like he was putting emphasis on the wrong words. He couldn't really contain his growls. I mean, he wasn't really, he wasn't the clown that we're accustomed to from uh, Tim Curry's portrayal. He's a predator. He's trying to feast. And it felt like whenever he was on screen, the best he could do to act normal was very abnormal to everyone else. And that's why only Georgie, the youngest of the bunch, that's the only uh, person that he tried to lure in with his little kiddiness and friendliness, which I thought was interesting. And then second, you have the bullies. And I love what Stephen King gets right with bullies. Not gets right, but I like what he does with them, which is takes he takes them all to homicidal levels. It's not just like the intimidation and the fear. It's really the notion and the unpredictability that these guys can actually kill you. And it's like that in Stand By Me, uh, Christine, uh, and some others I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's scary when you're, when you're a kid and you're targeted by bullying and you don't know whether you're going to get beat up or someone's going to try and kill you. And I really like what Stephen King does with that. And then finally, pretty much every adult in the movie is a villain of some sort. You have Bev's dad, who's there's a lot of undertones that they imply with their dialogue. Um, you have Eddie's mom, who's really controlling to a really creepy and weird level. And then you have Henry's dad, who's... Basically, oh, you have Henry's dad, and then you have the creepy pharmacist, who <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to process that. That was that was Stephen King, though. That was that was classic Stephen King, and I really like that we had this losers club at the center of it, united against all three of these elements throughout the whole movie, and it felt like they didn't rush the losers club. They really took the time with them, and at the end, when they're really beating these three entities. 
in their life. It's very, it's very rewarding. It felt like to me. All right, Abe. Before we uh-huh. get to you, I want to mention that it was like a monster at the box office this weekend. Um, it, it made 117 million dollars. <laughs> Um, and just the estimate so far it could be higher. Right. Um, yeah. That's huge. Uh, it, it's huge for. I mean, it's more money than I have in the bank. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge for horror movies. It's huge for Stephen King adaptations. It's huge for September. It's huge for fall. It's it's a huge uh, film. I mean, it, it it played on a lot of strengths uh, based off you know its marketing and what it's capturing and who's involved and what have you. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a monster. It's so I wanted to throw that out there. Were you uh, were you affected by it? To the degree that it's a movie that deserves to be this giant blockbuster. I mean, to answer your question, I, I would say yes. I, I I don't know if I was surprised by it, but I I think it's deserved, and I think it's mostly because the people that are very curious about the movie perhaps saw it when they were 27 years younger, uh, and now that they're older, they're like, okay, yeah, let's go and re- uh, see this remade version of it, and I'll also bring kids to it, which uh, which happened in my screening, which I thought was very interesting but also at the same time i really enjoyed it because uh, i like to see those kids like when they were cowering in their parents arms uh, i thought that was uh, that was fun but as far as the movie goes um i was trying to come to groups with it uh, after watching over the weekend and i think i came to i found that it was enjoyable and i liked it but i didn't love it and what i really enjoyed was the character building and the camaraderie of the people on the screen um and i also enjoyed the frightful imagery that they were presenting on the screen some of it was stronger than others. But walking out of the movie, I was texting my buddies. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, it's all right. It's almost like an R.L. Stein book, but with more explosive violence and subtext uh, that's way more adult. And I kind of, like, checked myself. I was like, why did I just describe this the way that I would have described, like, or why did I just compare this like an R.L. Stein book? And it's, it's because I had fun with it. And I don't know if I should have had fun with it, being that it's like a Stephen King uh, movie and it's really dark in nature and it's dark in tone and it um, uh, which like when you think about the concepts that they were presenting with all these adults kind of just being monsters on their own and it is like this manifestation of all of their fears I, I don't know if I should have like if it if it could have gotten darker and especially given that it's an R-rated movie too um, sure you see blood and you see and the cold opening is like pretty pretty good but throughout the movie, you kind of just get this feeling of, well, I'm I'm curious now about uh, where where they could have taken it, and it makes me it kind of made me go back and research Kerry Fukunaga's uh, version of it. Uh, so for the scares, I mean, I mentioned some some really good frightful imagery, and I mentioned that cold opening, but uh, for for some of it, I, th- I found it kind of like enjoyable, like not on a masochistic level, just more on a oh, this is a fun time at the movie theater, which uh, is perhaps what they were going for. Um, I also found myself more interested in the origins of Pennywise, and um, I was kind of bummed out when they kind of didn't feature him on the screen because he sold so heavily in the marketing. But I agree, and I'm sure everyone here on the panel would agree that, uh, again, the monsters are some of the adults in the town itself, uh, much like what you guys had mentioned earlier. So I was also curious, where are all the adults in the movie? Like, aside from some of the parents that you see, you never really get, uh, I don't think you ever really see Bill's parents again. Uh, except from the opening uh, and maybe like one scene after school and lets out. But I just really was curious as to why these kids could just leave their bikes in the middle of the street and then leave for a while. And then their bikes are still there. It's so summer, it's summer in the eighties in a small town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also agreed with Bradford that there were, uh, there were a lot of other elements 
um, that this movie kind of reminded me of. Super 8 was one of them. I actually kind of liked the the characters in Super 8 a little bit better than I did in in this movie. I thought that they uh, were a little bit more organic and natural. Um, some of the characters that are presented here, they kind of just like run to them and then they have to be a part of the club. And I'm kind of more thinking about Mike Mike's character. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, like overall, it's uh, it's a fun movie, which is weird for me to say. I don't know if they were going for that or if they weren't. But it's kind of like a fun movie to watch, and it's it's not overly, again, it's not overly like gory or grotesque. It's kind of suspenseful a little bit, but it's kind of just more like I, I also agree with Brad that I wasn't peeking through my fingers kind of thing, which kind of usually is what happens when I watch horror movies. I desperately um, want to see this. I want to see the peeking through fingers. Yeah, I mean, you, you should have seen me with, uh, what was that movie? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, but uh, yeah, on the whole, I, it was it was kind of a, a fun movie to watch, but I didn't, I didn't. Uh, end up leaving the theater kind of geeking out about it and thinking to myself oh my gosh this is one of like the best horror movies of the year or of all time uh, so i did not like it i i was mm. not a fan of this movie oh uh, get out of here <laughs> i um, <laughs> i certainly wanted to but and abe we've talked about this go on and off the air as far as kind of the lead up to this movie where initially when i saw the trailer i was concerned that the just the the way like they're presenting Pennywise just signaled to me this looks like it's going to be the most obvious horror movie as far as of course it's evil look how it's designed it's just obviously stated to be evil then I I saw that the uh, like that opening teaser when I saw Annabelle Creation they play like the opening scene which is the whole Georgie scene and I yeah. suddenly got inspired by that because like well that's much different than what I was expecting but watching the whole movie it's like oh no it's because this first 10 minutes is the only scene that i really like in this movie now i say that i do like the kind of camaraderie of the kids i i'm not taking that away from them i do think there's a sense of fun there that's obvious i not a huge fan of the how thin some of these characters are yeah you, yeah, you mentioned mike where he's basically just token black kid or you have well he kind of just like literally just shows up in the movie like you see him early on but then they just throw him into the gang give him like later. a little bit of black stuff like... a little bit of backstory what <laughs> you know, a little bit of backstory but like it's not much th- like there's th- and it goes to all of them where not all of them it goes to most of them where they just kind of blend together there's a couple of kids where i'm like because they have a defining characteristic i can separate them in my mind but i just i don't really know who these kids are i get that they're friends but it just yeah. it felt very thin to me and i know a lot of this might ride on how much you like the kid richie the motormouth uh, who's mike in stranger things and abe i've talked to you how much i about i i don't like mike in stranger things and i did not I like him here in this movie either so what? i think i can have a, i think i have a problem with this wait, actor wait, wait yeah i was like wait, do you not like the, the the actor or do you not like the character he's well playing? i don't what i don't like is that it's like i get that the lines he's saying are supposed to be obnoxious and even his friends are kind of like whatever but every yeah. time he kept saying things, I just it just felt like rehearsed to me. It felt like he's trying to do this, like it's trying hard, and it just wasn't winning me okay. over. What I, what I think that makes a difference though, because I think if I was able to embrace him, let alone you know just the kids in general overall, which I mostly do, I think I would have liked this movie more. But because I didn't find it to be very scary, and because I was kind of concerned with the thin characters, I overall didn't really like. I didn't. Feel like giving this movie credit for much because it sure. didn't do much for me it, the 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 nature of the horror i like what it's doing as far as its story goes and i'm familiar i i know the miniseries um which is fine um it has its moments and tim curry's obviously very good in it um but as a whole if you've watched that recently you know what i'm talking about it's not great um i have not read yep. the book i'm very i'm familiar with the book i know a lot about it as far as it but i haven't like read the thousand page stephen king novel um mm-hmm. but with 
this movie, the way it's going about doing things, I'm so curious what Fukunaga's version would be. Now, I'm not yeah, here to say, like, what if, like, that's because I can't do that. I can't talk about a movie I haven't seen. But the movie I did see from Andy Muschietti, who did Mama, felt like Mama again. Mama movie I should have You should have whispered it, because that's how the little girl says it. <laughs> well, Mama wasn't a movie I really liked because of how it showed Mama a lot, and how whenever it showed Mama, I was like, this is not scary at all. And yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't get, I got that same feeling here, where every time they tried to show me something scary, it never felt scary. Like, the designs of, like, the leper, or this painting that comes to life, or certain right, right. things like that, just, yeah. I just, that, was that never, painting wasn't scary. Well, I was never, like, I never, I, you guys, some of you mentioned dread, and, like, a sense, you know, a sense of kind of menace and tension, and, like, I never felt that, which... Hence my R.L. Stein comparison. Well, it felt like a jack-in-the-box movie. It felt like... I, I get where this is going because every the movie's very episodic and so the kids enter another very obviously scary location and things pop out of the shadows and the music gets very this is a very loud movie <laughs> yeah. it gets it, it, you know the, the score gets really loud and I guess I'm supposed to be scared now and it just kind of follows that pattern throughout and where there's not much story going it just feels like it meanders for a while it is over two hours and then eventually there's a bland monster metal and it ends i just i i wanted to like this more and i didn't so i totally understand that point and i i think that you know some of us would agree with you that the characters are a little bit more shallow than uh than you would come to expect so what i did after i watched the movie is i actually researched uh kara fuganaga's reasons why he left the movie and he said well you know i wanted to create a two-part movie where I could really go into depth of these characters and have you really care about them, whereas Universal slash New Line just wanted to have a more conventional horror movie. And I was like, oh, that is very true, because I definitely felt that. And then I actually found his 2015 script, and I read it, and I was like, this is a really crazy script. Like, this is a really R-rated heavy script. And uh, I I could see elements of it within the the movie that that was presented with Andy, but at the same time, I could definitely see that was more of a Stephen King type of gore-fest uh, slash like over the top R-rated movie than this one, so I I, I I'm not gonna you know knock Andy for picking up where uh, Fukunaga left off because um, you know that that's him doing a job right, but uh, yeah I can agree with you on the points that you're saying Aaron. Well Brad, what do you think? Well I because mean, I obviously you like the you all like the movie more than I do, but I, I'm curious because I hear a lot I see a lot of talk about like the, it doesn't matter that it's not scary, it's that these characters are what really make it and. I, I personally wasn't feeling that, so I'm curious where everyone else is coming from when they say when they say this. I mean, when I, when I say it's not scary, though, it doesn't mean that I don't think that there are elements of it, the movie that that are scary in, in itself. Like just because I wasn't scared by it doesn't well, mean I that get it's... that. Like I I, I I can see why this movie made money. It's crowd pleasing and it has tons of jump scares. Like I I get where an audience would walk out and be like, that was great. Like I get mm-hmm. that. It didn't. But go on. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. There's there's more to it for that than me though. I don't. I, I think it captures something about childhood and like the uh, the fear of childhood. Like um, we've all experienced that that scene when Georgie has to go uh, to find the wax that right. Bill paints the thing, where you've built up this scary scenario in your mind, the thing that's going to happen. And I think that the way Andy Muschietti plays with the idea of fear when you're a kid is perfect. Uh, it's it's he visualizes exactly what it feels like to be a kid and to be scared of things that really aren't scary. And so, if anything, maybe it's not quite as scary to us as because we're not kids anymore, you know? And so I think, I wonder if maybe we'll see a progression of what the adults find scary and if that's something that is a little bit more unnerving 
for people who, you know, aren't scared of the same things that the kids are. Because while there are definitely some people who are scared of some of the things that the, the kids see and, the, you know, the monster form of Pennywise uh, himself is kind of grotesque and uh, unsettling. Um, I, for me, it's not the movie isn't about just scaring you. It's about tapping into figuring out what scares you and how to overcome it and you know dealing dealing with that fear and also confronting those around you who you know don't care or create that fear inside you. And that I agree. I mean, those are elements that I did like in the movie because, again, I don't hate this movie. I did. I I overall did not like this movie, but I do think mm-hmm. it, those elements that you're talking. I, by the way, you mentioned the um, going downstairs to find the wax. That's part of that opening sequence where I think was perfect. Like that set me up right. for a movie that I thought was going to be fantastic. I was like, all right, I'm especially with the end of that sequence and how violent it plays out. I'm like, right. yeah. And it just feels like that movie goes away. It's still hitting at those ideas. I agree with you there. I still think like. The painting thing may not be scary, but I get the idea that this kid walks into this room and he's seen this painting like a lot and it freaks him out. And it's like, okay, now now it fell on the floor. I got to move. And there's even like a shot like from the painting's perspective that I thought was really cool where it's like he has to pick it up, put it on the wall. Yeah, the camera moves. It it tilts with uh, with him fixing Mm -hmm. the painting. And I think I guess what I'm not what I'm just not getting behind, and I'm very, I am very curious about the sequel, which you know there will be. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it was already <laughs> agreed upon, but I mean, $117 million in one weekend, you know, there, there's lock and key right there. Um, but I, I think the, while it, it yes, it's go it's going at those, it's going at those ideas as far as like what it's, what, what it is to scare a child, and I'm very curious about what it does, what will happen in the sequel when they're adults, but the, it's still a, a movie I, I'm, you know, accepting for being both this kind of coming-of-age drama as well as a horror movie. And as a horror movie, it feels like it's trying really hard to show me it's a horror movie because, as I said, it's really loud. Like, it really plays heavily on, like, let's let's show you something that's probably scary-looking or whatnot and then play really loud music on top of it to make sure you mm. know it's a couture to the extreme. And that kept bugging me. I kept thinking, okay... You, I see you're trying to impress me, but it's not impressing me. I get it. I get what you're doing here, movie. It, I, I actually didn't. Me. Yeah, I actually didn't find the the sound that overly loud because uh, I would have I would have like winced much more. But um, yeah, but you go to like the worst theaters. Eh? We've established another. Show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just didn't really get an overall sense of dread or feeling. I mean, like one of the scariest scenes in the movie was when uh, Ben is at the library and there's like this creepy old lady in the background. I was like. What the fuck is that oh, shit? So he, did, he did notice that because that's a real subtle thing, and that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's a subtle that's, thing. That was, that was it, it was it was just great that um, the hunchingness of it, and then I was like, oh, this is. I was thinking that the movie was gonna be a little bit more like that, where there's gonna be some a lot of a lot more noticeable kind of freakishly things. Uh, and again, some of the I can only count like three images where or sequence with uh, pretty frightful imagery where I was like. Wow, this is kind of spooky. Which is the the bookends of the movie, both involving Georgie, and actually the middle piece also involving Georgie. That kid that uh, plays Georgie topic. is an all star because that kid had to be there oh, for yeah. certain things. And I thought, like, if, for the things that he's required to do, yeah. I was really—I mean, that's a small kid. So I was I was quite impressed with like the, yeah. the whatever work he had to put into being. Also, like, they they did a really corpse. good job casting because he was he was you know an adorable kid, and then I was like, oh poor poor adorable kid, I don't want this to happen. Such a, a nice kid. <laughs> Well, that's uh, why. That's why I was curious. Like the movie seemed to get suddenly tame after that scene, where it's like yeah, I, agree with you. I saw yeah. what happened. Is like, well, that's horrible. <laughs> like, what else am I in store for in this movie? And it never really, for one thing, Pennywise, he seems to be really terrible at killing kids. If like 
he got Georgie pretty easily, but like all these other kids. Well, like, well I want to I want to bring up a comment that Brad made earlier of just like uh, of it or Pennywise being able to take on different. You know, he can take on almost anything, which is not really explained in the movie because it doesn't need to be. It's it. Like, no, I get it, but at the same time, you kind of just you see here, uh, you see things here and there, and and you're not really sure if if Pennywise is doing it or if he's behind it or if uh, if the parents are just being overly you know overly pedophile uh, pedophiles or whatever the case is um creepy you can use creepy that's a good creepy. word sure yeah if the parents are being overly creepy i just wasn't sure if it was oh pennywise is the one that's like making these parents uh feel this way or caging their children in or whatever the case is so uh, i kind of wish that, that was a little bit a little bit just shown on the screen of just hey by the way my capabilities go beyond just transforming and kind of luring kids into the sewers i'll be and again i've again i haven't read it but i am aware of things that have gone on in the novel and Brad, sure. you, you even mentioned this where it is the fact that like it's so rooted in the town that the town's just naturally creepy because of its presence like it because it lives there underneath the town like the town has grown into being like basically evil to its own extent like the adults are all kind of harmed in some way by its presence where they're more creepy than they would be otherwise my grandfather thinks this town is cursed he says that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing, an evil thing that feeds off the people of Derry. But it can't be one thing. We all saw something different. Maybe. Or maybe it knows what scares us most, and that's what we see. I, I, I saw a leper. He, he was like a walking infection. But you didn't. Because it isn't real. None of this is. None of this makes any sense. They're all like bad dreams. I don't think so. I know the difference between a, a bad dream and real life, okay? We're all afraid of something. Got that right. Why, Rich? What are you afraid of? Clowns. Yeah. That's part of it, and I imagine the sequel will probably maybe have more element i know there's like a whole sequence in the book in the kids stuff where they, they just basically couldn't do which explains it more overtly. Sure. but yeah. I, yeah. I, I, honestly i'm fine with not having you know like this like pennywise is i don't want to go into it but i'm fine with the the kind of amount of knowledge i have about pennywise that said i, I like bill skarsgård pennywise i i just wish i, I kind of wish i saw more of them now i do me like, too i do like the, the yeah i like, wish they talked more the the bullies and stuff like as brad you were saying i do like like, like that is, is strong you know i i appreciate what they're doing there i do think that's effective i was weirded out by eddie's mom and how she has this weird fat suit on like why make that choice that was really queer but b beyond that i was like okay this stuff works for me but the pennywise stuff I I liked him and I wanted to see more of him as far as that performance because I again I hear a lot of praise for Bill Skarsgård. I was like, well yeah I I didn't I didn't see a lot of him to really be that over the top about it. Like I I get it I guess, but it it, it didn't leave it as, as much of an impression I think as, as some other people seem to have. Mm -hmm. Like what do you think, Matt? Like it, you you said it's you know an iconic performance and I I mean given that it's a clown in a mainstream horror movie I can understand that being an iconic performance, but. I mean, I think it's iconic simply for his performance, but I do agree that there should have been more Pennywise. He should have talked more. I wanted more than you run to a corner and then you get the running weird Dutch angle Pennywise running into your face with his claws out and everything. 
like it, that shit got old after a little bit. And I kind of wanted to just go back to something like the Eddie shower scene in the first it in yeah. the 90s. Like like something like that. Like I wanted to joke around a little bit more. See, I wanted. That's that's what I want. You, you mentioned that shower scene. I I'm not a huge fan of the miniseries, but that shower scene actually scared me when I was a kid. Now obviously I'm a kid. Like, yep. if, but even now, like <laughs> if I'm showering, I'm gonna be. If a clown suddenly pops out of my shower drain and strikes me <laughs> with death, that's gonna be scary regardless of what age I am. And I just I I feel like I never got something of that intensity in this movie. Well, yeah, which, and that scene was like that scene was like two and a half minutes in the '90s. It. And then Eddie. It's a long scene. You probably have maybe 30, 45 seconds of direct Eddie talking to Pennywise combined with the Nabolt House scene and the outside scene with the leper, which I didn't really like how they made the leper look either. It just didn't, it didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. The painting didn't really either, but I just really, ultimately really appreciated it for the story about the kids. It wasn't what I expected. But I welcomed it anyway. Well, let's talk more about that because we're focusing on the like the scares and stuff again. And I know, like Brad, you're, you've argued about you know how it obviously it's not necessarily going to be terrifying for everybody, but there is something to appreciate about it otherwise. And I want to tap into that because I I would have liked to have liked that more. I've already talked about my kind of misgivings with some of the the kid stuff, but even then, I think mm-hmm. there there's a lot there to enjoy. I like like I like Ben. I like the 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 overweight kid who um, has who's a big fan of New Kids on the Block, and I wish that kind of went more, but it just kind of like he kind of faded in the background after a while, and they mm-hmm. g- and they gave him the history stuff which belonged to Mike, the black kid. I was mm-hmm. like, why, why do you get rid of like you have, you have this character who's already like loves new kids and he's like stumbling around? It's like why do you have to get? He already has enough, and then you give him yeah. black kid stuff. Anyway, regardless. Well, I, there's also like that that love triangle that I kind of wish that they maybe have explored a little bit more. Um, regardless of their ages, just more that you can definitely feel that that Ben was in love with Bev. And then Bev seemingly just is kind of in love with uh, Bill too. She's and... kind of ditched Ben. Like she was with. Yeah, ben I know. Yeah, and yep. Ben, well, ben gave now. her like this really nice card or a postcard with a poem on it, and you know I thought that it was going to go the other way, but um, I even thought at the end of the movie when they were kind of making like their blood oath thing, I was like, oh, those are the last three on on, on the uh, on the uh, camera here, and yet you know Ben's just like, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> What was your question? I was, I was asking in general. Let's, let's focus more on, I guess, on the kids and like these performances and what have you. Sure. And I and I mentioned kind of my issues with uh, with some of them, but I do think like I liked um, what's her name? I liked Bev. I liked the, the performance by Sophia Lillis, or as I call her, Amy Adams clone. Um, it, oh, it's I, happening in Hollywood again. I, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I I think she did a, like a, especially given the range of these characters. I think she was the, the highlight as far as these preteens go. Like I think the the strongest performance and the most to do as far as a character. I had some misgiving about w- which character they choose to single out and take away, and which is not something that's from miniseries or the book as far as like, hey, we need to rescue a certain character, but suddenly that's the choice they made, and that felt very cliche. But aside from that, she worked, and I thought, um, what's his name, J- um, Lieber, uh, the guy who plays Will, who's or Bill, and, um, okay. and he's, he's from Midnight Special. I think that kid yeah, is yeah. Like, strong as well. Yeah. Oh, that, that kid, that kid is growing up. He's a lot. I forgot that he was in. I forgot that he was in Midnight Special. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's favorite uh, book of Henry. I mean, we we can't stop talking about book of Henry. I, I mean, Colin Trevorrow loved it. <laughs> but uh, I, so, in terms of the kids themselves, you know, I also thought of Monster House uh, when I was doing the movie, and I was like, you know, I I like the interaction with, between those animated kids in Monster House more than I like the kids in this movie, and 
I can definitely understand that these kids are reading off of the script, but the the, the friendship between Richie and Bill was just. I didn't feel it as strongly as perhaps uh, they were wanting it to be because, you know, they have like this this fight where the kids all of a sudden break up. And then later, Bill's got to go to the theater to go and get Richie when he's playing the first Street Fighter um, and say, hey, by the way, I need your help kind of thing. And I just, you know, I kind of saw that it was going to help him anyway, but I kind of wish that they had built up a more a, a stronger bond between those two, especially given that. um Richie is like the loudmouth, and and um, he's almost like uh, Bill's best friend. Um, but it, it just kind of goes in and out, you know. They they don't really delve too much on the kids, and they don't really delve too much on Pennywise. They kind of have to keep the story going, and ultimately, um, it just falls a little bit short. Well, Brad, what do you think? Because obviously, you like you like the movie the, the more. Like, what do you think about the the kids and how this plot kind of plays out with them? Uh, what what do, you, what do you mean? What's your question? Well, as far as I mean, I I think the film meanders a lot. Do you do you think that it like had a steady pace and told like a like a good story like over like a, as it kind of proceeded along? Uh, I mean, I never felt it dragged or anything like that. Um, the story itself is pretty simple. Uh, th- there's nothing that's fairly uh, really all that complex about it. Um, I I didn't really feel like there were any problems with it. One one of my friends who didn't like the movie as much complained that he felt like they didn't really explain like the rules as far as like what uh, Pennywise, like why he's doing what he's doing and what he can do and how the kids kill him and stuff like that. And I never had those questions or problems because I felt like they gave you pretty well everything that you needed to know up to a point. Um, It was clear that Pennywise couldn't really hurt you if you weren't completely scared of him. Uh, Like he would, he like, that's why he didn't kill uh, Beverly, you know, Mm -hmm. because she wasn't fully afra- fully afraid of him, and you know it's clear that he kills kids like when they're the most scared because that's what he feeds off of. They can hurt him physically, but we don't know necessarily how to kill him yet, which I think is probably something they'll explain, uh, you know, when the sequel comes around. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, it's a simple story, but I didn't have a problem with it. I never felt like I, I got lost in anything, and anything that felt like it was it was wandering, I think was. There was nothing that didn't feel like it was important. If anything, I feel like something you could consider wandering, which is all probably all the stuff you think about when it comes to the interaction with the human characters that aren't Pennywise, is stuff that feeds into the idea of the town being just as cursed, you know, uh, being, or being just as dangerous as Pennywise is, if not more so, because the town has the potential to, you know, eat these kids alive, essentially. Not literally, like Pennywise does, I but you. I'm... Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, ruin their lives. I have other questions, but they're, like, more spoilery. But I agree with what you're saying. As far as, like, what, I mean, I, I agree with the, uh, what you just said and kind of the, the this, what the movie's trying to do. It just, yeah, for, for me, it just, it, it personally just wasn't working as well. And I wish it did. But there's, like, some filmmaking choices even that kind of got to me where there's, like, a big rock fight, which has, like, music score to it, which really threw me off. I was like, what movie is this now? Like, the tone is still <laughs> kind of all over the place there. Or you're like later on, there's a there's a point where they where the kids kind of separate, and it becomes this like montage scene. And like it feels like tension should be very high because like Pennywise is still around, but we're like dealing with this like well we're all hanging out by ourselves montage, and it's like okay, like, I, I just so for me that like that's why it, like parts where like it just felt weird in the pacing where I'm like okay we're yeah stopping, didn't, we're stopping all I the horror like the... so we can put like a rock song over the the rock fight. And it's yeah. Like, 
it just it's stuff like that that just so i don't know where to go with it yeah no and i get that too because the rock scene i thought that was kind of cool but i could definitely i i know what you're talking about um and the more that i thought about it the more i just kind of just said to myself okay well pennywise doesn't necessarily need to be in all of it this is kind of me rationalizing why pennywise isn't more of it but i did want to see him more uh, him more in it but um, the reason why he's not more in it is because again these he's his manifestation of fears and whatever else is seen in bullies or you know parents that are just a bunch of assholes or whatever the case is so that's really what pennywise is he's just these kids is uh, you know uh they they just collectively put it into this one spooky ass clown that lives in the sewers, but I I I can see it from that point of view. But I'd rather just see the clown that does eat kids. That you know, while he does feed on your fears, and and you can definitely see a lot of fears in the city itself. Like I would rather just see, uh, well, I I still would want to just more so see, in addition to all those things, a, a clown that just is really out to get you. And that's kind of unfortunate that it didn't happen. But I don't know, man. $170 million isn't wrong. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's certainly going to be wrong. Up. Like, again, I can, no, yeah, I'm I see, not, where, I'm not I see to... where that comes from. I mean, the movie has so much as far as like being entertaining, both as, you know, watching kids running around. Like, people love Stranger Things. Like, that's what this movie tells me. That's how like, people like this. So that, that's actually an interesting thing to bring up because aside from Mike being in both of them, um, it's a. Uh, I just texted this to you. It's like it feels like it could have just been a PG thirteen movie if they just removed some of the blood and some of the cussing from it. And well, yeah, I don't know. Easy, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that would have been as effective because again, like I mentioned earlier, it Stephen King is just he writes some pretty like deranged stuff for being a really nice guy who lives in Maine. And I, I just didn't get that sense from this movie. So Pennywise is great. The that one scene where Mike is getting yeah, Mike is getting beat up from the bullies and then Pennywise is just like waving this this arm at that, him. That made me laugh like, out loud. I actually Yeah, that made me it. laugh but I was, but I was, also, <laughs> I was kind of just curious, well what's going to happen here? I mean, is Pennywise going to come over and just like kill all these kids, which would have been a very interesting turn of events, but it's not. It's just more of like, by the way, I you're you're near my house, so I'm just going to, you know, eat while you guys are uh, while you get your acting. <laughs> well, Pennywise is a I mean, he is somewhat of a prankster. Like, that's kind of his thing, where it's like, even if he's not killing kids, he's still happy to see fear and, like, yeah. horrible things happen. Like, it, it, he's, he's all about that. So, like, him, like, sitting there wa- watching Mike get beat up by a bunch of really sadistic... These bullies are insane in this movie. Those <laughs> like, bullies, I mean, like, you know, uh, those bullies are, are very... <laughs> such jerks. And that kid who was raised by, uh, you know, Captain Fantastic... He really, uh, he, he definitely played uh, a really strong bully. You know, I, I definitely did, didn't like him a lot. And then uh, you read, you know, the the, uh, the social undertones of his character is just like, yeah, I really don't like this guy. This guy. Well, it, it's funny. And I've been, it's weird to like say this, but the bullies, for how mean and vicious they are as far as like actually carving things into kids, I kind of was wondering why they aren't more racist, if that makes any sense. Where... <laughs> like they're they're beating up this black kid and they're saying like you don't belong in my town. I'm like this is an R-rated movie. Why aren't they hurling the N word at him? It, it was kind of yeah. like where's it seems like it's it's like backing down from that aspect, which is yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily need to be like man. I can't wait to hear the N word in my movies, but at the same time, like I know I feel that like way a movie too. Where it kind of was coming and then just like they shied away from doing it, which is so. I mean, not to compare the two, but Fukunaga does have that in his script. He, oh, he the characters are more overtly racist. Well, um, that's, that's I guess good to know. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just more that, like, you, again, I agree with you that you you get these. Yeah, when when uh, first of all, that that Mike's first encounter with Pennywise is great, and I was kind of hoping to see more of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, when he gets what's up? Yeah, the with hands. the hands and also just the meat locker because Pennywise is he yeah. loves eating uh, lamb, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, the the bullies pull up in the car. And he's like, "Get out of my town!" It's like, uh, I guess I can see what he's saying here, but. You know, I'm not really sure either, uh, but it's also a problem because I, I didn't like Bev's dad. Not because, first of all, nobody should like Bev's dad, but um, like you just weren't really sure what that was all about. And really? again, not to compare I mean, the two. I, I but, feel like I got that pretty easily. No, I, I get that, uh, but not to compare the two again, but Fuganaga script actually has Bev's dad and his wife there. Like they're in the movie together. So you didn't just get a sense that Bev's dad is just like this creeper that likes to lock his daughter in the apartment. Like he's just he Pennywise kind of takes over his body and does makes him uh, do like these these uh, ridiculous things. So I I just for as much as there is uh, there are adults in the movie, I just thought that they were just poorly explored. Um, so that kind of just goes back to the shallowness of the characters. I wouldn't collect with the adults, honestly, just because we're following the kids' perspective, and so it, it never really... There's no scene that lends itself to, like, having this exposition in a movie that's already over two hours, where I need this exposition yeah. dump on, like, well, the, the, the father had this happen to him, so now he does this to his daughter, or, like, the mother... No, grew, I get The that. mother grew up wearing fat suits, so that's why she dresses really horribly in the movie. <laughs> I, did you guys... Do you guys get what I'm saying when I say that? Like, did, No, I don't. Yeah. Did you see the mom and, do. like, it's like... Oh, no, 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 it's very clear that she was wearing a fat suit, for sure. Like, yeah, like, like what's it, going on? <laughs> like, the, the, the character wasn't wearing a fat suit, the actress was wearing a fat suit, and it just doesn't... It wasn't done very well. No, oh. yeah, I get, and, like, by the way, it'd be... I'd be way more into the movie if the character was wearing a fat suit, just for no reason, but... That would be... A, hilarious touch that i would have found uh kind of refreshing well, but that kept, uh, just that kept bothering me it's like there's no body that looks like this in terms of how boxy it is it's like what why was this a choice so i can you, you should come to indiana i, I guess so <laughs> but i was i guess uh, I'm, the only the only like sense of reason I'm like well i guess the sequel she loses weight like i don't know where else to go with this <laughs> i don't know man but anyway uh, <laughs> well, what, like, what, okay, because I want to, because I want to hear the defenses, because sure. like I'm the one that doesn't like this movie. You guys, like hey this man, movie, I'm, like... I, no, 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 no. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't, I didn't love it. But again, I, I don't, I, I don't need all the to get on board with me. I want you to support this movie because I'm, I'm so curious about like where the, I mean, I, I get where the praise it's comes not from. That, but it's I not that. It, so I'm not gonna defend it in the in terms of oh well, it's it's one of the, like the best horror movies of the decade kind of thing. But I'm hearing it, that. Certain... I'm hearing that a lot, and it's 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 buzzing. You're hearing me, that from you're hearing that from people that aren't on the panel. But you're what I'm saying is I for for it being if it was intentionally meant to be kind of like this fun uh, comedy romp, it succeeded. But I didn't think that it succeeded in what it was trying to actually be, which was a horror movie that would play on your fears and make you stay up at night and, uh, you know, make you afraid to walk down in the cellar. I don't think he's on that level because, again, I, I'm i not a huge fan. Horror isn't my genre. Like, I, I, would, I don't really, you know, openly go to these things and say, like, okay, well, let's see how much blood I can see without uh, closing my eyes and being squeamish. And I just didn't get any of that sense here. So, Again, my feeling of it is that I walked away from a movie that was seemingly fun, and that's not the intention that they're. I don't think that was the intention that they I were think trying it to. Is. I think. That, I mean, look at Richie. You look think at the, so? the, look, well, look at the, look at those characters. They're like having a. They're 
they're designed to be like friends that you want to get behind you want you want to feel the emotion they have which is despite this horrible thing that's happening in our lives be it bullies or parents or shape-shifting clown monsters the standards we have each other <laughs> and i think i think that's communicated i i wish that's communicated but that's I, not i don't think that's like they're for for again the symbolism of it and what it is uh it just didn't really come across as scary to me. It just. Um, I mean, I agree like, with you, but I, but I think, but I, I don't agree that it's not supposed to be both a horror movie and kind of a some honestly an endearing experience as far as getting this story of these kids that band together. I do think it's going for that. It's not my favorite kind of representation of that, I guess. But I sure. I, I do think it is intentionally trying to be two two things. Again, the yeah, movies I that feel I'm, like uh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Feel comedy and like forty percent horror. And I thought the comedy in this was honestly a lot better than the horror, just because, I mean, the horror scenes were fine. Like, I didn't mind the jump scares or any of that, but they felt kind of rushed. I didn't like when Pennywise would come in for, like, 10 seconds, do something crazy and disappear. I, and I just, I just wish he'd talk more. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's my biggest gripe. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any one of us here are going to be like, you know, uh, we we liked it for different reasons, and some of us liked it more than others. But again, I'm not gonna sit up here and say like, yeah, I'm gonna defend it to its death kind of thing. That's certainly not what I felt like. Again, if they had knocked down some of the blood and the gore, which I don't think they should have, um, it could have just been a PG-13 movie, and that would have been, I think, uh, not as interesting because. You know, I think about Stand By Me, which is a short story well, written that, by Stephen I mean, King, and that's like a much more adult-themed movie, and not not because there's blood and stuff like that, but, but those kids, like, uh, they really felt like kids that are 13, 14 going to high school, and then also they were really going through a lot of problems, and I certainly, that came across in the storytelling, whereas this one, it just didn't feel like that. It felt, again, like some sort of, like, eerie Indiana R.L. Stein Goosebumps book. Uh, with more blood in it so even some of the the scares were just not as scary i mean you know when you have night of the living dummy i think that boils down to what i'm even saying about just the well the the racist thing where it just it does feel somewhat sanitized where it is an r-rated movie but it doesn't fit and that's not the make or break of any horror movie sure i mean poltergeist is amazing it's pg uh jaws is pg but regardless of the rating i think just the kind of intention that i get when i see a a stephen king movie based off his novel it i feel like there's something there that should be hitting me harder and i don't feel like that's what i'm saying i don't think i agree with you i don't think it hit me that hard as far as the the con not even just like a content on a kind of visceral level but in terms of the how intense these adults are at being just horrible people to their children like the bully stuff's there but even the bully stuff is like it's it's so over the top like the the bullies are so harsh where i wish the adults i don't i mean he's a mullet wearing asshole nobody likes i don't need to see kids getting raped for anything like that but at the same time no i don't think anyone's calling for that either well let me ask you this i do think are you able to disassociate the movie from what you were expecting for to what you did see well no that's impossible i mean Obviously, anyone's going to have a level of expectation for any movie they go to see. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, sure, I walked in and, you know, I had my eyes wide open, was ready for anything. But at the same time, I, I do have an idea of what to expect when I walk into any movie. And that's yeah, why I'm happy yeah, to be yeah. surprised by the quality of the movie or by the crushing disappointment of one. Sure, and sure. I guess my issue was where I, I felt like the first opening, the, yeah, the opening sequence of the movie set me up for something I thought was going to be really effective throughout. And it just kind of didn't quite deliver. Yeah. Okay. You'll be surprised by my rating is kind of what I'm going to get to. I'll, I want to ask one more question before I move on. Okay. What did you guys think about the look of the film? 
Uh, how do you mean? Like the way that it was shot or the, the dead angles? The way that it was shot or, you know, the production design or whatnot. Cause I, I think there's some pluses and minuses there, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, I thought that geographically speaking, I didn't know where anything was, but it looked good. Yeah. I liked it. I liked the Dutch angles on Pennywise. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, Andy Muschietti moves the camera around, uh, scenes in interesting ways. There's some really stunning shots in it. There's also some sequences that felt kind of clumsy. Um, but you know, considering this is what, this is his third movie, something like that. Is that what it is? Uh, I think it's, I think it's like his his, his, uh, his second, second I think, feature. Yeah, yeah. second I think main. Mama was like a short, and then it was the movie. Was, uh, yeah, so this is his second movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all things considered, I think this was he did a really good job uh, realizing a story that is not very easy to tell. Mm-hmm. And that I do give credit to. Like this is a giant book, and it's pairing stuff. Down. And again, I wanted to like this movie. Like I, I'm so like on the cusp <laughs> where I walked out. I, I was with a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, who also was kind of okay on the movie. And I was weird. Right. Like, well, it, 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 the kid stuff's absolutely great. Even if I'm not digging like all the characters and even some of the choices made with them, I, the kid stuff's fine. But you know, as a yep. whole, I just don't think it fully realizes its its, its potential. On uh, a production standpoint, I do think there's some clever stuff there. Like I liked its lair quite a bit. Like in the sewers, when we find we get like what where things are kind of piling up, if you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about. Yeah, yeah. I liked seeing that represented. I thought that was a neat image. The haunted house, I could give or take, just because it was so obvious to me. It was like, yeah, it's a haunted house. And like even yeah. just, even like the street there on where I kept seeing like the marquee for Batman Lethal Weapon Two. That was which, fun. Which came out in July, not June, so the movie's wrong. Um I <laughs> I kept thinking, okay, that's that same street they keep filming on, but I guess it's a small town, so I don't know. It's very small. That's what I'm saying. It's like the geography just didn't, I just didn't get a sense of the geography. I get the geography. It's one street with an alley. <laughs> like that seems to be the geography. That's I mean that's the only <laughs> that's the only street in town and then everything else is like a suburb, but that, that those suburbs don't look like they mix with the same house or the the same uh, main street thing. So, yeah, so it's like, just uh, those it, are, it, those elements aside, I yeah, there's some good stuff involving like balloons and whatnot. I yeah, I just yeah, I I I like some of the kind of the, some of the ominous sets and others were like, yeah, all right, that's that's a place, um, and it's it's neat because I I think about that miniseries which I haven't seen in full since you know the nineties, but in that movie that twenty seven years ago, not twenty seven years ago, but you know a <laughs> while back, and I've yeah. seen various clips on like YouTube or whatnot, but I do think of how that movie has really no sense of style because it's a TV movie and it's not it's not like I don't know like Salem's Lot which is directed by Toby Hooper it's just it's what's his name oh my god it's a three name name i'm not gonna pick him right now uh, but like they it's it, it's less it's less it gives less of an impression than a movie like this where it's you know very stylish for obvious reasons and yeah still that miniseries has left an impression and be it because i was much younger when i saw it or not i mean there, there's something to be said for something like that where this which is you know touting itself as you know the the horror author masters horror epic come to life I even if I wasn't scared, I still kind of expect to be a little more scared by what was going on. Sure, I mean you're talking to a guy who uh, who doesn't like horror movies. You're talking but... to you who loves horror movies, and I don't often get scared, but at the same time, I was kind of, I don't know, I was hoping you get be... scared. I don't really, not really with horror. Like there's like certainly yeah, something comes at you out of the shadows, and a big music sting happens. Yeah, you're gonna like jump a little because that's it's that's what exactly was trying to do. But is that scared? Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, let's get to our rating. All right. Where should people go? Where when should people go and see this movie? I would actually say DVD. Yeah, I think it's kind of just on that level. You could wait for it and rent it. Theater. Theater for Matt. What, what do you say, Brad? When should people see this movie? Yeah, I think you should see it in the theater. There's uh, you know, something about the experience of seeing this movie with a crowd. 
And also, I think you'll get an experience in the theater that you won't really get at home on a smaller screen, just because of the sound design and how just the way the orchestra works as far as jump scares are concerned. It's much more jarring in the theater and it's yeah i think it's a solid theatrical experience and it's like i agree with you like i i know i'm in the minority as far as not liking this movie and i would say yeah see this in a theater like i like nothing more than someone to be entertained by especially with a horror movie where horror is a genre that's so like kind of bagged upon where it's like yeah if you get one giant success like this that just makes me hope they're getting more horror movies out of it sure and i chances are you'll probably like it like you'll probably enjoy this movie so like i so with all that said, that how much you didn't like it, you'd still recommend people see it in a theater. Not necessarily recommend seeing it in th- okay, dollar theater, but still, like I That's still higher than my rating. Well, I mean, you've heard this entire review, so it's like if you <laughs> if you've heard what I'm saying, you know my misgivings about it. But like okay. I would say Dang. like I should deny you this opportunity to see this movie, because one thing, I can't do that, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying what I thought of it. But Aaron the police force. I do think there's Denying a level, people. I do think there's a legit level of enjoyment that people will most likely have, especially people that don't regularly go see horror movies, that they'll find here. Now I'd be happy to recommend plenty of horror movies I do love, especially in the past few years where there have been a lot of really great horror movies. Yeah, you should just go watch Trick or Treat. It's also a movie I thought of, and I was like, it's kind of better than this movie. But as this one stands, it's like, well, it's big, it's out. Sure, you'll probably like it. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. What's it at right now on the Rotten Tomatoes? It's at 87 on Rotten Tomatoes still. It has like a B plus in cinema score, which is okay. B plus. B plus. Hmm. Yeah. I was honestly, I walked out of thinking this will be like an A plus cinema score. That's, I guarantee. Or at least like was, an A minus. So I was, I was kind of surprised yeah, that, that it was. That's high. pretty surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on now. Let's get down to feedback. 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 This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We have a number of questions here that we uh, have asked the listeners and they give us answers. Then you gave us some questions that we will answer happily. Yeah. Uh, Brad and Matt, feel free to lend your uh, thoughts on any of the questions we ask here. Yep. And first question we asked everybody, what movie scared you as a kid? Friend of the show, Marcus, writes, not on the movie, it's uh, not the movie itself, but large Marge scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure scared the crap out of me. <laughs> He's not wrong. It, it's a dark scene. Um, George writes Independence Day. Well, more so the time that they did the War of the Wars esque news segment with Fox. I remember uh, that. I remember watching that. Uh, like, yeah, they do like a fake news report on what's going on. Thanks a lot, Fox News. Uh, Chris has watched the thing when I was twelve. So scared, I had to sleep in the parents' bed for a week. That's a long time, Chris. Um, Justin has Poltergeist and Predator and oh, the thing. Brandon writes Hellraiser Bloodline. Lee has The Gate. Friend of the show, Brandon, has returned to Oz. Um, Cynthia has Child's Play and It. Philip has the original Friday the 13th. I was eight at the time. Sad face emoticon. <laughs> and lastly, Manish has The Birds and The Wizard of Oz. I enjoyed your Hitchcock, Hitchcock episode, uh, by the way. That's so right, thank Manish. you for that. Right. Yeah. You guys have uh, movies that you were scared of when you were kids? Of course, E.T. And I'm not even kidding, because uh, I've told Aaron this. Like E.T. spooks me out whenever the adults come in and their house is covered, and also when E.T. turns pale white. Um, and also, uh, that's like they cry when that happens. Oh, that scares like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like it's dying. Yeah, he's, he's dying. Yeah, or yeah, it's dying. I don't know if it's a he or a she, but um, it's E.T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there was another one, but I forgot. I'll just randomly shout it out. But yeah, did you guys have any movies that scared you as a kid? Oh, I, I mean, uh, um, all dogs go to heaven. The part where Charlie is dreaming about hell. And I was like, this is scary. And I was like, it's weird because it's a cartoon. You know, I think that honestly, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker probably scared me the most as a kid. Hmm. Hmm. Animated movie. You've guys yeah. seen it? Yeah, yeah. I, I find that interesting. But there is 
I mean, Joker there's, murders there's... Rob in that movie. It's, it's pretty scary. <laughs> that it's that part paired with the part when the elderly Bruce Wayne is injected with the Joker serum and he's has that huge grin upon his face. Hmm, that yeah. just I saw it from a very young age and that that stuck with me. Uh, I was definitely scared of the uh, slimy form of uh, the Mogwai and Gremlins when oh, I was yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. much younger. Like, um, when it's, like when it's first hatching or whatever? Like when it's all... Uh, like when, his, yeah. when his back is bubbling? Yeah, like that was kind of creeped me out. And uh, yeah. the the image of him when he's dead at the end and like all melting. Um, and there was something about... There's that shot of when they're all like running through like the the downtown area oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's just something about it that like it kind of made me uneasy because like i pictured it happening like where i lived and i was just like it, i don't know it was just, i was really young and just like it just really weirded me out yeah i mean that's legit i've um it's it's been creepy kid movies tend to bother me those are like the one thing that still kind of do and like things that are small we're like weirdly bothered because that now I've grown up. I'm like, you can just kick this away. Like, I don't know why this is a problem. Like, things like <laughs> child's play. When I no, was younger, he's got superhuman strength. <laughs> when I was younger, though, child's play is like, damn, that doll. <laughs> like, it's just, I know, yeah, so that, that doll, you see, there's a there's a part where the cop is smoking in his car and 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 uh, Chucky tries to like strangle him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, that's a doll. Now that I'm adult, I'm like, that's a doll, but yeah. also. We don't really have cigarette lighters in the car anymore, so how would he get out of it now? We'll be delving more into Child's Play very soon for various reasons. Um, the other thing, Michael Jackson's Thriller. That got to me when I was a kid. The the, the, the whole, when she's like running away and the zombies all chase her into the house and she has nowhere to go, I was like, she's not going to get out of this. Like, I was scared as a kid when I was watching that music video. Yeah, uh, the laugh scared me more than, than the imagery. Well, yeah, because he's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move all on. All right. What are your favorite books or movies written by uh, Stephen King? Uh, let's see. Brian writes Insomnia, and I will apologize to Brian. I am not as well versed in Stephen King as he is, and I assume that he said Insomnia as in the movie. And I was like, that's not even close to King, but he's in yeah. fact referring to a Stephen King novel. Let's see. Jay writes The Green Mile and The Mist. Chris writes The Shining, Christine, and The Dead Zone. Tyler writes I Always Love the Langoliers, minus the really bad early CGI for the actual creatures. George writes Maximo Overdrive, which I assume should be accompanied by a smile face emoji. Uh, Ali writes Stand By Me. Matthew writes Salem's Lot. Manish writes Carrie. Nathan writes Shawshank Redemption. Philip writes The Stand. And then I have The Green Mile with no... Na- oh, no. Philip writes and Book. He also writes... Sorry. Yeah. Philip writes Book, The Stand, Movie, The Green Mile. Yeah. I'm definitely going to echo uh, Ali and say uh, Stand By Me. I think that's a terrific adaptation of a short story written by Stephen King. Yeah, I agree with The Mist. I love that book. Yeah, that's actually that's like my my favorite one too is the Mist. Yeah, I would, yeah, obviously I already mentioned the Mist. I'm a huge fan of the Mist. I love The Shining's one of my favorite movies in general. Um, Stand by Me obviously is great as well. And I oh that's right, I watched The Shawshank Redemption also. So I had a I had a Tom Jane Morgan Freeman <laughs> Stephen Kingathon this weekend. <laughs> but, um, but no, I watched Shawshank, which is like still like like that's a movie where even I've seen it on TNT like all the time. I'm like let me just watch this front to back. And see how it goes, and it was great. Like it's just a great movie. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, uh, that was like a really solid year for movies too. Yeah, ninety four. Oh my 94. god, ninety yeah, four. Yeah, that was a great movie, or it was a great year. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then uh, the next question we asked everybody: What are your favorite films involving clowns? I don't know why we we phrase it as favorite, but uh, we got a lot of great answers though. I'm yeah, surprised at true. how yeah. many, like, a lot of diverse answers too. Yeah. Jason has Lego Batman, The Dark Knight, and any movie that someone that has someone punch a clown makes me feel a lot better about my fear of clowns. <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Brendan has any Batman DC Lego movie 
with the Joker that isn't Suicide Squad. Good answer. Steve has quick change. Someone needed to take to take this to the obscure level. Yeah, great. you're right, Steve. Great Bill Murray movie. Uh, Chris has killer clowns from outer space and Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects slash uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, Jay has Zombieland. It has a zombie clown. That's true. Manish has Octopussy, where 007 takes the time to put out an elaborate clown costume during an, an urgent mission. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Jim, has Shakes the Clown. Nathan has Poltergeist, 1982 version. I like how we have to now, you know, write the 1982 version. We don't have like to. I 20. can say Poltergeist, and I'll never be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was <laughs> like, I don't think anyone really remembers that Sam Rockwell version. Uh, Justin has none after Poltergeist. Uh, I, I was scared of clowns. Also, trees near my window. Yeah, it scared me back in the day. Uh, and lastly, Philip has Paprika. Well, that's, a good, that's a good answer. Paprika. <laughs> As much as I could say, like, things with the Joker or whatnot, I'll second Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects. I love the Devil's Rejects. It's a great movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would... Uh, it, it's kind of just like a scene, and it's kind of a fun answer, but um, in How- Cabin, Cabin in the Woods, the part where you see that, that woman shooting the clown and just doesn't die, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I view clowns in movies. It's like, they just won't die. Any favorite clowns? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my default answer is Dark Knight. There you go. All right. Next question we have here. Have you been to a haunted or creepy house, and what was it like? We got a lengthy answer from Chris here. He writes, No, it's this answer. My French grandparents, always the start of a good story, lived in a dilapidated chateau. When I stayed there, it was a it was in a huge Gothic-style room, all in green with a four-post bed. Needless to say, that soon... And as soon as I was in bed, I stayed under the covers until daylight. Bloody awful. And to make matters worse, the toilet I had to use was down a flight of stairs with animal heads on the walls. Man, you couldn't even make this stuff up. My aunt used to tell me about ghosts, which was nice of her. Thanks a lot, Chris's aunt. You just ruined his childhood. And Justin adds, there was a house in Huntington Beach where I grew up in by, by Sunview. We always called the haunted house. Mm. I've been, uh, that, the, I've been to that house in uh, San Jose. The um, yeah, Winchester Mystery the Win- House. The Winchester Mystery House. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been there probably because uh, I don't want any any ghosts to spook me. But uh, there was always like this weird house that we used to walk by, and it wasn't haunted. It was just like the kids in the neighborhood and the kids my age. We would just make up stories about it, and it always bugged me. Uh, but later, I'm pretty sure like there were just really nice people living in there. It's almost like a um, uh, it's almost like a a, a sandlot kind of situation. You guys been to any haunted houses? You know, I can't name one. I've been on the haunted mansion ride at Disney, though. Well, there you, there go. you go. I mean, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Those are great <laughs> answers. All right, next question from Master Buddy: What are your favorite films about a group of young friends? Chris has definitely not the Goonies. That's my hook. <laughs> and Stand by Me is an obvious, but so it, uh, so it has to be The Outsiders. Justin has The Sandlot, The Warriors, Heather's, Mean Girls. Would West Side Story count? Yeah. Yeah, they're young, sure. Yeah. Jay has Monster Squad, way better than the overrated Goonies and Stand By Me. Cynthia has Super 8 and the Goonies. Manish has The Outsiders. Philip has From on, uh, from Up on Poppy Hill. And lastly, Steven writes Stand By Me. I'll be happy to second the Monster Squad, love, because that's just a good movie. Yeah. Uh, definitely echo the, the Sandlot. That was the only DVD that I owned for, like, a long time. Oh, you know what? Attack the Block. That's my answer. Done. I mean, yeah, Moses oh, saves the block. I'm, I'm down with the tackle block for sure. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Next question here. Favorite movie where the sewers play a significant role? Darren writes, Crawl or Die. I think that counts. Otherwise, the British Creep movie. Amy writes, Ghostbusters 2. Patrick mm-hmm. writes, AVP Requiem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Joe writes, Chud. 
Cynthia writes It and Mimic. Jason writes The Amazing Spider-Man for some reason. Connors has a lab in his sewers. Because, why? Because he is a half-lizard brain. <laughs> Chris writes Lots of great sewage horrors, but going with Flushed Away. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Michelle writes The Shawshank Redemption. George writes Disappointed in these comments. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original. Exactly. Thanks, George. And Justin. Justin adds Has to be the TMNT. And Scott writes The Matrix. Philip writes The Third Man. And Tyler, Tyler writes Batman Returns. Yeah, That's T- a great answer by, by Tyler there. TMNT, The Third Man, and Batman Returns probably my, my go-to answers on that question. There you go. Okay. So now we're moving to questions that everybody asked us or everybody here on the panel. Uh, let's, uh, let's give it a shot here. Nathan asks us, uh, number one, how in the world does it have 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, and number two, are there studios that are throwing money around just to boost up ratings? That's a great question, and I know this has kind of come up a lot. So, I'm Brett, sorry, is, you... it, is it a great question? I mean, well, it's mostly just been coming up a lot recently of just like, well, is Rotten Tomatoes too strong of a, of a rating system now? Is it affecting our summer movies? Like, quite honestly, the answer is no, but uh, I'd love to hear your answer, Brad, because uh, you write for, for uh, some publications that are widely distributed, and so, same with you, Aaron. Rotten Tomatoes is only as powerful as you let it be. Uh, I know plenty of people who don't care at all what the Rotten Tomatoes score has to say. And at the end of the day, the biggest problem with Rotten Tomatoes is that people don't really know how to use it, and they don't know how to use film criticism in general. The tomato score is not indicative of the overall quality of a movie. While it can be uh, go hand-in-hand with it, you're really supposed to be looking at the the critics' score of a movie because that's what actually matters, and that's not as divisive or as a 50-50, is this fresh or is this rotten? Mm-hmm. But the other, the other thing is that people don't ever really consider is that you can't take the tomato meter as representative of all critics as if they're a hive mm-hmm. mind. You have to find movie critics who have tastes that align with yours. There's some times where you would read a review by someone like A.O. Scott, uh, and he's going to love a movie. And it's going to be a movie that you probably hate because his taste may not always be the same as yours. The idea of trusting movie critics and taking their recommendations is reading enough reviews from them to understand what they like and figuring out if what they like aligns with you so you know if you're going to like it or not. There are some critics I know who say who if they say like this is one of their favorite movies of the year I'm like I may not like that movie that much because mm-hmm. I know what their tastes are and they don't really match with mine. So while Rotten Tomatoes is certainly influential, it's it only matters to people who use it for what they're going to use it for, and the people who use it on such a surface level, those aren't the like moviegoers who are ingrained in seeing as many movies as people like. You and me, like those are that's general audience stuff, and that's certainly what studios care about. But Rotten Tomatoes as an entity isn't what's influential because it's not like Rotten Tomatoes is a, is a single company making these decisions and deciding which movies are good or not. This it all comes from aggregation of film critics who have an opinion about movies, and so the the really it's just the ignorance of audiences that is creating problems for movie studios in that regard. But the larger overarching problem is the fact that movie studios are just making poor decisions as far as what movies they make and which movies they throw money behind, and they don't understand why they're seeing them die in an age when we have more entertainment than we've ever had before, and so people aren't willing to waste their time and money on things when they have much more quality entertainment for a cheaper price easily available in their home. Mm-hmm. 
I have nothing to add. That's that's that nails it. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. And also, <laughs> just to, the, I guess the only thing that I would add is uh, just to uh, pick it back up for Bradford's point. If you look at the average rating, like you'll see that oh yeah, it's got 88 percent. But if you look, if you actually click on the link itself and then you look at the average rating, like it, an 88 can equal like an average of 6.7 out of 10, which is not the best. So it, in its just, case, it's like 7.5. But sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, um, yeah, I, I agree that people are just mis- misunderstanding how it's used. Um, and if you are a studio executive that cares too much about it, you're you're uh, you should just stick with. Uh, I don't even know what you should stick with. I don't know because you're probably not going to do your job. You're probably the studio that's making the bad movies. That's why you're upset. Oh yeah, it's it's hilarious to me how only the studios of movies that you know aren't regarded very well by anyone are the ones that are complaining about Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> like, but anyway, yeah. Let's move on to our next question. Justin asks, any movie on your list that are cheesy, dare I say, bad or not good in the other's point of view that you like? I.e., I just watched Seventeen again, or Wild Wild West. And I guess he's saying that he believes those are good movies or that he likes them. Hey, he likes it. I mean, it, it kind of just is on personal taste, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually a big fan of um, Not Another Teen Movie, which was at that time where it was kind of just like really panning those ridiculous teenage mashup movies, and it's not a very good movie, but I liked it, and also Chris Evans is in it, and I was like, oh, Captain America, you did a scene where you had a banana sticking out your butt. There's a solid first hour in that movie where it's really running on all all highs as far as I laugh. It is. Yeah, I, I found a lot of laughs in it. I think it's I mean, this question is another variation on guilty pleasures. I mean, that's what it's doing, right? Sure. Uh, I mean, the, my go to answer is the big hit with Mark Wahlberg. That's just a good movie. Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, Tyrese and uh, Keem Woodbine. There's no Tyrese. In there. Sorry, not Tyrese. Yeah. The Shocker. Yeah, The Shocker. <laughs> yes. Do you guys have any uh, guilty pleasure movies? Uh, I don't uh, care. How bad people think it is. I watch Jingle All the Way every Christmas, and I, <laughs> and I I enjoy every damn minute of it. I love Phil Hartman. I, I love Schwarzenegger he, in that he, movie. He loves those cookies. He loves there those are, cookies. Yeah. There, there are endless great Schwarzenegger quotes in that movie. Yeah. Just give me the Turbo Man. Uh, anyway, uh, Matt, that, what, that movie think? gets like the amount of scorn that it has. It's like I get it. Like it's not a movie I'm like a particular huge fan of, but I I get what it's doing. Like it doesn't seem like it's one where it's egregiously bad it's an over-the-top family comedy like that's what it's supposed to be like <laughs> i mean his son grew up to be Anakin skywalker <laughs> yeah. all, because, <laughs> all because he didn't get a turbo man exactly or maybe because his dad was turbo man and he felt like he had to live up to those expectations he gave away yeah. the turbo man that's you know. uh, oh right matt what were you gonna say you know i gotta i gotta say i think it might be white chicks which, White chicks. okay i'll watch it like i'll watch it like once a year because it's still on netflix once a year I, I'll probably watch it once a year, and it's it's still funny to me. It's one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen, but I just I'm I'm laughing at every joke. I'm enjoying every minute. I gotta yeah, get hanging out with uh, Scott Mendelson more. His wife loves White Chicks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, now you a lot of people Hollywood. do apparently. Um, Manish asks everybody here, what's the best movie theater experience uh, with a crowded audience that you have ever had? Huh? Best crowded movie going? Exp- I mean, what's the best one? Uh, the one that comes to mind most recently was 21 Jump Street. I saw that in a the theater, and it was pretty packed. And everyone was having a really good time. We were laughing all the same beats, and probably just because we were surprised by how funny the, the movie was. Uh, but we also had a really good time with Get Out. I mean, I sat with like a really good group of people, and like nobody gave a shit that everyone was like talking at the screen. It was just a really fun experience. 
I mean, there's there's any number of like big blockbusters to see it, like the Midnight Show or whatnot, be it the number of Dark Knight movies or whatever. Yeah, but I'd go with Dark Knight. I try, like one specifically. I mean, honestly, like I mentioned this before, but like whenever I saw one of the new Paranormal Activity movies, I somehow got like the right audience. Where I think movies like that, oh, movies like that are like horror movies. Like there's some that'll like laugh too much because of you know the kind of awkward awkwardness of being in a scary movie with a bunch of people or whatnot or kind of not react or even boo or something but somehow every time i saw one of those movies specifically i got like the exact right audience that like knew when to like have fun with the scares but also have fun with the you know the kick the the kind of when things aren't scary or it's like a false alarm or something like that like that always seemed to work out for me and i because i saw every single one of those at midnight specifically on purpose because i thought that was the best way to do it uh i did an entire marathon for phase one of the marvel movies before the avengers came out oh boy oh wow yeah and it was it was a packed house and so obviously everyone there was diehard you know marvel and that was that was really really fun that's cool man oh that just made me remember when the when the world's end came out i did see that i saw a similar marathon where it was the hot the uh, cornetto trilogy marathon i I said like shot at the hot fuzz and Everyone, everyone was eating ice cream. Well, everyone, I mean, everyone was there for the same reasons, like Brad, you just said. Yeah. So it had had that similar kind of reaction because you know that's they're all comedies, but they're you know they're great comedies. There's kind of a specific rhythm to them, and everyone you know was there championing that kind of same thing. I yeah. did the same thing for Star Wars as well. Nice. Oh, I wish I had that. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of exhausting. I'd imagine, but still, I'd be into it. <laughs> what order did they show it in? Uh, thankfully, they showed the prequels first. Because okay. it, uh, yeah, and it's it, they started that like uh, overnight in, into the next day, and so it was, yeah, it was a good, uh, mm-hmm. good, not, good time to nap. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the last question we have have here is, uh, what was the most memorable movie theater experience when you were virtually alone in a theater? So it's also so a non question theater, yeah, yeah, on the same uh, level, unless. Alessandro was shooting off of Manisha's question. But maybe, maybe they live in the same city. Um, but uh, in 2003, I went to go watch Finding Nemo with my sister. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. It was like one of those like $5 showings. And there was nobody in the theater. I, I, was, I literally told my sister, hey, stay here. I'm going to go check to see if there's people in the rows just so we wouldn't get jumped. <laughs> and there was nobody there. But it was a great experience because that movie, uh, I'm sure it would be great with the theater as well, like a packed theater as well. But it was just great to be in a large theater uh, just by ourselves watching Finding Nemo, which is one of my top Pixar movies. That's funny because my dad and I had saw Finding Nemo when it was like an empty theater because we saw it in like Utah. We were on like vacation. Uh-huh. We, we went river rafting, and it was like it had just come out, but it was like a like in the afternoon, so it wasn't really crowded. And I had a similar yeah. experience where I really loved the movie, but like it was like nobody was really there. That said, my answer that I was thinking of, it's not one specifically. It's more of like I, when I see a lot of the kind of like smaller movies towards the end of the year that are coming out and like the the ones that are like up for like awards or what have you and it's they're you know and they're they're in smaller theaters and i see them like yep. in the afternoon or something like that so i thought something like a separation was a movie i saw in a very non-crowded theater but that movie's like fantastic so it's yep. like it's things like that that tend to be like the best or i'm like i'm seeing these movies that are critically acclaimed that i no doubt will probably love and i end up do i end up loving them mm-hmm. and, but you know it's not like with a giant audience where they're hooting and hollering over what's going to happen at the end of a separation <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really engaged with that the lawyer stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you guys have any memorable virtual alone experiences? You know, I've had, I can't think of any good ones. I'm just thinking of bad ones. I had a really bad one with... <laughs> Little um, 
No, I had fun with Little Man. <laughs> These lanes um, out here. No, it was it was After Earth, the Will Smith movie with, okay. his, with his son. Yeah, I was yeah. I was working at a theater at the time, um, and I had a long time to wait before my ship, and I usually went to see a movie before that. So I went in this because why not? It's a good way to kill time, and it's free. And I wa- I was the only one in the theater, and it was Friday, like three p.m. It was. I think in the summer, no one was in it. I sat in there for 20 minutes and then had to leave because it was so bad. And then I just <laughs> sat, and then I literally just sat and played on my phone until my shift started. And that was a free movie. It was a free movie that I walked out of. <laughs> Do you think of anybody? How about you, Brad? Uh, my sister and my cousin and I. Uh, this is another movie marathon one, actually. Um, before The Hobbit came out, they did a marathon of all three Lord of the Rings movies, the oh, extended cuts in theater. Yeah. You. God. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to see the extended cuts in theaters because I, I never gotten a chance to see them. And so we did that, and there was only, I want to say maybe like 15 people who were there for the whole thing. And uh, so that was, there was, that was awesome because we essentially had the theater to ourselves, and it was just it was cool just to see all three of those movies back-to-back in the extended versions uh, on the big screen. Yeah, that must have been. Was that's that over a, a couple a, days, or is that? It's a long no, it day. Was, it's a long yeah, day. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was just a long day. Yeah, because I, I actually I do enjoy the extended versions more than than the theatrical cut versions. They just like give you them. more story. Well, I like Two Towers more. That's the one I like the most as far as the extended versions, because that's that's actually the one that I saw when they did when they did it around here. Um, they had it where they're like they they did like every week before the Hobbit came out, like three weeks before, like you know one one week, then the next week, then the next week, and so that I I didn't I, I watched the others like on my own, but like when Two Towers was in theaters, like I'll see that one in theaters. I I like what's added in that movie, where like the others, I'm like yeah, all right, there's more and it's good, but it's not where I'm like I, I desperately need to. You know me, Abe. I'm not a huge. I yeah. like Lord of the Rings. I'm not the biggest fan, so I'm like okay, like I'll I'll do the one that I really like <laughs> in the extended form. So. Right. Okay. And also, that's a lot of time spent in the theater. That is a lot. That's like, uh, you know, they're almost like four hours each. Not that I have to complain. I mean, I just talked about seeing, like, the Cornetto trilogy. I saw, like, the Indiana Jones movies back to back to back to back once, too. It's... Including Crystal Skull? Including Crystal Skull. Yep. Went all the way all right. through. All right. Did it. <laughs> all right. How's that not feedback? Feedback, feedback, feedback. Good set of feedback this week. We got a lot of, a lot. A lot of responses, yeah. a lot of questions and everything. Some good feedback. Thank yeah. you, guys. But speak, you know, let's move on from that now. It's time for, what, what, what time is it? Aaron, I think it's time for a very quick game here. Let it know, in fact, that's actually the sound that uh, the, the little uh, Jack in the Box plays uh, when Pennywise is going to go and uh, kill Bev. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. That is, of course, the improvised theme for games. I have a game for you guys this week, so get ready. Okay. I think this is going to be a fun one. It is called It Happened One Podcast. Okay. Explain. I am going to read... Okay, so every every answer in this game has it in the title. I already don't like this. And what I'm going to do is describe what it is. And you have to guess what the movie is based off that description. I have an example. Okay, thank you. A terrorizing shapeshifter with children on the brain. Hey, Hold on. It- Paul Bart Malkoff. <laughs> Abe, what would you say that answer is? Uh, it. Yes, it would be the correct answer. Uh, okay. But the close. movie has to have the title, the word it in it. The word it in it in some way. And okay. Yes, and you correctly did your thing by saying your name first and then giving the answer. 
I mean, you know, Bradford's answer was pretty good, too. My name is also Paul Blart, and I just said Mall Cop for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's who that is. I love Mall Cop. I love the extended edition. Uh, All right. right, Let's do this. Here's the first one. And I I have explanations written at the end of every single one of these, so I'll be sure to evoke this. Yeah, if we have uh, questions about it, got it. Yeah, here we go. A terrorizing shapeshifter with non-virgins on the brain. Abe. Abe. It. It's not correct. Shit. Non-virgins. Oh. Oh, Brad. Brad. It follows. It follows is the correct uh, answer. You see how I messed with you, Abe? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, why would he give me the, the example again? Yeah, I did it. I... It's called paying attention. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's called paying attention. Yep. Here's the next one. A once-in-a-lifetime winning lottery ticket that will be shared with a waitress. Uh, Abe. Abe? It could happen to you? It could happen to you is the correct answer. Thank you. Nicholas Cage and Bridget Fonda. Here's the next one. The relationships with three others had by one woman in this joint. Mm. Brad? Brad? It happened one night? Incorrect. No, I'll die. (laughs) Did you repeat the clue? The relationships with three others had by one woman in this joint. Mm. There's a clue there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't have it. Uh, Abe. Abe. It e to mama tambien. Incorrect. No, not <laughs> even close. I know. <laughs> I'll say the answer. The answer is Spike Lee's. She's got to have it. Oh, she oh. does have to have it. It's, That's true. It's the joint part. Yes. Here's the next one. The lingering threat of paranoia in a post-apocalyptic, disease-ridden world. Oh, Matt. Matt. It comes at night? It comes at night is the correct answer. Hey, we're all tied here with one Matt's on the board. Yeah, even me. I'm on the board, too. (laughs) Here's the next one. A home in Montana where two sons of a minister deal with fishing outings and more. Um. Oh, man. Uh. Abe. Abe. A river runs through it. A river runs through it is the correct answer. Thank you. Here's the next one. Every one of these describes what it is. Yeah. The ball used by the daughter of an Orthodox Sikh. Huh. The ball used by the daughter of Orthodox Sikh. I don't know. It is the debut of a popular co-star. A popular co-star? Bend it like Beckham? Bend it like Beckham is the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got it. (laughs) That's a good one. Here's the next one. The final collection of concerts involving this famed king of pop. Uh, Abe. I heard Brad. Okay. This is it. This is it is the correct answer. It went on to make, like, a huge amount of money. It was very big. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. The world this businessman lives in and gets a chance to see it thanks to an angel sent from heaven. Um. The world this businessman lives in and gets a chance to see it thanks to an angel sent from heaven. I think I know this, but I can't think of the the title. I bet like, all of you know this. <laughs> yeah, I... Hold on. Um, Famously, a box office flop. I can't think of it. It's but I'm going to, like... The 1940s. Then, uh... 
<laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. It is a Frank Capra film. Oh, it, Brad. Brad? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Is Damn it! Answer. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. Three more. The elaborate routines performed by a squad in a competition against an inner city high school. Brad. Dave. Brad. Damn it! <laughs> Bring it on! Bring it on is the correct answer. <laughs> Here's the next one. A term used in the popular sport of roller derby, as seen in this film. Brad. Brad. Whip it. Whip it is correct. Brad is running away with this right now. (laughs) Here's the last one. The relationship had with a crotchety and obsessive compulsive writer. Hmm. Uh, 90s film. Oscar winner. Oh, man. Now now I'm going to... I thought of a joke answer, but <laughs> <laughs> say, say it after want... we get it. Say after we get yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. Legendary yeah, actor know. who won lead actor. Oh man, I'm gonna hate myself. A sitcom star who won lead actress. Lead actress? Mm-hmm. Sitcom star who won lead actress in the crotchety old writer. It had a. Is it a Robert Redford movie? No. I don't know. It finding Forrester. <laughs> That's two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it is a James L. Brooks film. James L. Oh, Brooks Brad. Brad. Uh, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. That is correct. Uh, good job, Brad. What was the joke? Clear answer? that you that you. Uh, I what was the joke? It. I'm gonna say Schindler's It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel bad for laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, you won this game. Congratulations, Brad. Good job. I did it. Yay. Yeah. You did it. That's exactly correct. Yep. It is done. I had some bonus questions, just in case we had a tie on our hands. Um, It will probably replace this, but what is the current highest grossing Stephen King film of all time? Hmm. Inflation adjusted? Uh, Without inflation. Oh, Oh, it's it, right? I'm saying it will probably replace it eventually, but what what is current? Oh, Green Mile. It, It is Green Mile. It is? Wow. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. guess that. Good job. Yeah. What What is the highest grossing Stephen King horror film outside of It? Um, Shining. The Shining. It is not The Shining. Although oh. I'm curious of inflation. Actually, oh, 1408? It is 1408. With inflation, <laughs> it is The Shining, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 1408, wow. 1408's good. That's the one with uh, John Cusack and Samuel Jackson? John Cusack in all of the movie and Sam Jackson in five minutes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, he, he's like the bell. Or <laughs> he's, he's second like build. Guy. He is not in that movie at all, but he's second build. Yeah. I mean, what can I say, man? That guy sells movies. Yeah, he's John Cusack's bodyguard in that movie. It's great. All right. That's how you play games. All right. Good job, Brad. Let's uh, let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to some Out Now presents what's Out Now. These movies that are now available on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, first up, we have The Mummy. Uh, no, pass. Don't see it. Hard pass. <laughs> uh, Captain Underpants, yeah. the first epic movie. It's not bad. I liked it. I had fun with it. Uh, it comes at night. I was a big fan of this movie. I heard you guys liked it, but I've heard it, it got mixed reviews. I really I liked it. it. Yeah. I also liked it. Cool. Yeah, I liked it. All right. High fives. Yeah. <laughs> Did it! <laughs> uh, Veep, season six. Yes, yeah, Veep is great. And it's its final season next season, apparently. What? Oh. Uh, Silicon Valley, season four. Yeah, I've heard great things. I haven't watched it. Which still surprises me. 
It's too close to home. My judge is too good at, at satire. <laughs> uh, Orphan Black Season 5, which I think was the final season as well. I've heard great things about that show, too. Uh, Big Bang Theory Season 10. Finally! Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, know about all that. The Goldberg Season 4. Oh, I'm glad that they've got four seasons. I, I truly this. am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Friday Night Lights, the complete series on Blu-ray. Clear hearts. Uh, clear, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Wow. It would have been better if I didn't mess it up the first yeah, time. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. That was a, that was a clear eyes joke, guy. I just want to make sure you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, festival on Criterion Collection this week. It's a uh, documentary based off of a famous music festival. Uh, and uh, lastly, Phenomena. Uh, this is an old uh, uh, Dario Argento film. Uh, oh, okay. It's not, it's not uh, John Travolta's Phenomena. No, it's not Phenomenon. No, where okay. Elton John can All change right. the world. It's Phenomena. 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 People that like Jennifer Connelly in the dark, was it the um, the lab, labyrinth? Um, she's better in Phenomena, actually. Ooh, <laughs> so, okay. Because it's not like her first time out. So, uh, and yeah, okay. That's on episode. So now it's up. Extremely cool. These things are now streaming on Netflix or Amazon or what have you. Bojack Horseman season four. Now on. Go uh, see it. Now on I Netflix. haven't started. I watched the first two. Okay. Good. But I love that series. <laughs> I know you're a fan. Yeah, and so far I'm enjoying it. I'm very curious if it does something different this season. I, I if you've been following BoJack Horseman, I'm curious what different other directions it can go. And hmm. So we'll see. And last, what did I, why did I write this down? I wrote Ghosts of Mount of the Mountains down, and I can't remember uh, why. But it's something on Netflix. I, it was probably some kind of documentary that seemed interesting to me, but I can't remember exactly what it was. I I don't know. It's a Disney Nature documentary. Ah, okay. That like didn't go to theaters for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. But snow leopards. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that's what it is. They're like, they're like trying to find snow leopards or whatnot. It just looked interesting. That, that that's, looks like ninety minutes I can watch in the background and enjoy. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's see. Next week's show. Next week we'll be talking uh, mother. I'm glad that you uh, added the exclamation mark in your in your inflection. <laughs> What's a mother? <laughs> no, it's good. Thanks. Well, talking mother. I'm excited for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for it. Mother. You got to say it right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that should be that should be something. <laughs> it funds the word, but it should be something. And uh, let's see. The last thing we hear: What should people go and see now? And what do you plan to see next? Let's start with let's start with Matt. Matt, what should people go and see in theaters right now? You should see it, Dunkirk, or Spider-Man: Homecoming. But most importantly, if Baby Driver's still playing and you have not seen that, that is what you should go see. All right. Nice. What are you seeing next? Probably gonna wait till Kingsman. Okay. All right. Brad, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, if you go see Ingrid Goes West, if it's playing near you, fantastic dark little comedy that deserves support in theaters. Uh, you should see it because it'll be a fun uh, movie theater going experience. And I don't think that it's technically in theaters anymore. It might still be sticking around a little bit, but since it just came out on digital download and it will be on Blu-ray later this month, I don't think it will, but, uh... Either way, go out of your way to see The Big Sick because it is one oh, of yeah. the yeah. best movies of the year. Yeah, I'm getting that Blu-ray to review. I'm hoping to see your name on it, but I, I, I think I, I don't think I will. Un- unfortunately, you won't. I, I was actually uh, told that it was going to be because they asked me to to use it, and so I thought it was going to be. And they said they were going to send me a copy and everything. And I got my copy in the mail uh, a couple days ago, and I don't have a quote on it. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. But at least I got. Uh, the movie. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> Next time I see you, next time you're passing through L.A., 
I'm coming up with my copy of the Big Sick Blu-ray. I'm getting you to sign it, right? The exact quote that was in the trailers on it. <laughs> then that's going to be mine forever. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was honestly a little bummed because if it was on the Blu-ray, it would have been the first time that a quote of mine was used in every single piece of the marketing for the movie. They used, they would have used it in trailers, TV spots, posters, and then the Blu-ray. But I didn't get the Blu-ray, so I was a little a little bummed. Hold on, we got I got to write this down to make the acronym that's appropriate for that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing, though. That trailer, been, that, that's actually TV, a, a huge accomplishment too. Poster, so congratulations to you on that. That's I know that that's very difficult to do. So, um, but also I, I thought that Aaron was going to say, oh, okay, next time I see you, I'm going to give you a DVD copy where I wrote your quote on it for you. <laughs> oh, I can do that too. I get that, that saves time. Actually. I'll write the quote and then you just sign it under your name. <laughs> Brad, Bradford <laughs> Oban slash film. Sorry. Ethan Anderton slash film. It'll be done. Yeah. Now we don't know who's on who's who. <laughs> and, and so I've, I've written down. So we have TV poster trailer and home video release, which forms tippeth. So you're, you're trying to tippeth. <laughs> that's what Man, it is. Uh, that's pretty impressive there. Yeah. <laughs> Try to tip it when you're when yeah. you're a critic. You gotta you gotta you gotta get on like Ben Lyons levels where you write something really stupid, but it gets on every piece of marketing possible. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Abe, mark. Or sorry, Brad. What are you seeing next? Uh, what am I seeing next? Um, I American think... Assassin. I'm not uh, honestly. Don't steal my thunder, really Abe. <laughs> I'm not excited about American <laughs> Assassin. Uh, like Matt, it'll probably be Kingdom in the Golden Circle. I will say. Um, I am very interested in seeing the Lego Ninjago movie. I've liked all of the trailers that I've seen so far, and I think that it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Abe? I'd recommend uh, you go check out Logan Lucky if you can. Um, you don't want Steven Soderbergh to go back into hiding. And <laughs> I'm going to see Mother next. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wrote this down because it's my favorite new line horror film that came out this year, uh, Annabelle Creation. Um, <laughs> I, I would recommend that quite a bit because I do think that was a lot of fun in theaters. If you can find Close Encounters of the Third Kind still, I know it's only out there for a limited time, but if it's out there, just like the truth, uh, go find it, because it's, 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 it's a great movie. <laughs> um, let's see, Baby Driver, I second that as well. I know that got some more screens added recently. Uh, oh, wow. Around Labor Day. Oh. Just, it was like a, it's like a last like you know, last week kind of thing. So if, you, you know, if suddenly you're like, you know what, I never saw that Baby Driver, this would be a good time to see it. And uh, yeah, next I am seeing American Assassin, <laughs> which is certainly going to be a movie. And, hey man, um, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, a movie that you could probably uh, figure out what's going to happen <laughs> from the get go. We'll see, yeah. But uh, I, I am looking forward to Mother, and I'm seeing Kingsman this week too, so I'm excited for that. Um, okay. So yeah, that's uh, what's going on. Let's uh, well, with that said, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now Out There and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all movie reviews over there, as well as on Lice the Blue. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4 Abe. Check out my Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Smooth. Hashtag, now I'm going to kill this fucking clown. <laughs> See, that, okay. Br- Brad, Omen, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. I write at Slash Film all the live long day. You can also hear me uh, two or three times a week on the Slash Film Daily podcast. And also I have my own podcast called Go Flix Yourself, F-L-I-X, available on iTunes and Stitcher and some other podcasting platforms. Sweet. And Matt Goodman, anywhere we can find you online? You can follow me on Twitter at Creed's Delight. You could follow uh, Pure Imagination at psstudios.com. All right. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Third, and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. Give us a listen over at SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on it or anything else you to talk to about today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com.
Right on our wall, facebook.com slash podcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, send us plenty of gifts of clowns doing terrible things over at outnotpodcast.tumblr.com. Please don't. Please don't. No, you don't specifically need to. to Abe. Address them all. No, to you don't Abe. need to. You don't need to. You can to. even That's go okay. to his personal Twitter feed or send them to his email. <laughs> his email address <laughs> is. Anyway. Uh, thank Brad, Matt, thank you both for joining us. Thank you both. Hey, thank thanks you. For sure. That was uh, a lot of fun. And. That's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, when we find out what's going on with Mother, that's going to do it. So until then, so long. And goodbye. seen the trailer with uh with sound so i can't reproduce it this time <laughs> wait what you've never seen the trailer with sound yeah because when it first came out i was like oh no i can't watch this man it's too spooky and so uh i think i told aaron that too. i was like i just i haven't seen it with sound <laughs> I, I didn't realize i didn't realize you still hadn't watched it with sound <laughs> like even... hi it's orgy is that how is that how it starts <laughs> yeah it's, yep. like, it's like the kids run in and he's like no my boat She's going away. <laughs> and Bill's like, it's. <laughs> I just love the I just love the way he screams, "No, my boat!" Well, in the trailer version, it's hilarious because they add a big bonk sound effect when he bumps his head on the thing. It's really hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Although Bradford, your your uh your Pennywise impersonation is very good. I'm gonna do it the rest of the podcast. <laughs> do it, yeah. Do a Bill Uh-oh. Skarsgård. Is it Bill Skarsgård? Is that his name? B- yeah, yes. yep. William F. Skarsgård. I'm kidding. Yes, it's Bill Skarsgård. William. William. <laughs> So you don't even know that the mantra of this movie has been "you'll float too." Like that's like. The, uh, I, I I've been seeing it a lot on social media. The hashtags well, yeah, are. Yeah, always the trailer is full of that. The, like Georgie's constantly saying "you'll." <laughs> like that's the mantra. That's like that's like the yeah. meme of the trailer. At this point. Okay. And I the red balloon just... flying around everywhere yeah. in all the marketing. M Night Shyamalan directed this movie. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs>